0: listening to autonomous unity on the service with autonomy network this is the complete package of episode 5 the real history of the baby blue with billy allen welcome to autonomous unity i am your host chubs the addict this podcast is the work of a single individual member of narcotics anonymous the opinions and views expressed here are the opinions of the host and nobody else if you have seen the name chubs the addict other places on the internet Affiliated with various home groups or web pages that are services for N.A., it should not be assumed that this podcast is in any way affiliated with those websites. If you're listening to this podcast on a direct link from Radio Free N.A. or even a closed Facebook forum, you need to realize that those are forums and that those forums do not necessarily endorse anything that I'm saying here. It just means that the link was posted there by me or somebody else. If you're an addict seeking recovery, new to Narcotics Anonymous, or think you might have a drug problem or you're just looking for help, it's strongly suggested that you go to a search engine, type in Narcotics Anonymous meetings in your locality, and get to a meeting as quickly as possible, make contact with addicts who can help you. While this show might be a good place to learn about the NA traditions, it is far more important that you get involved at this point in a personal program of recovery. This show frequently deals with our traditions and how they apply to various service structures, including some of the differences of opinion that exist within our fellowship and the accompanying history. All that being said, if you are new to recovery and you really want to give this show a listen, I would just strongly suggest that you start back at Episode 2, All About Recovery, and then explore from Episode 1 on. And lastly, this podcast is intended for members of Narcotics Anonymous or those who think that they may have a drug problem. If you are not a member of Narcotics Anonymous or an addict seeking recovery, we respectfully request that you tune out at this time and find a different podcast to listen to. This is simply in keeping with the spirit of our traditions in so much as internal controversies and debates do not become public fodder. Now that the disclaimers are out of the way, let's get on with the rest of the show. This is the complete package of Episode 5. Episode 5 is very large and was originally podcast in five separate pieces. They are all run together in this podcast. We'll all follow one after the other without any introduction or break in the action. The original podcast was actually recorded over uh, three separate sessions. Uh, Two of them were interviews with Billy and myself that took place in 2014. The first part of this podcast Uh, We'll cover up until about the time that the third edition was created of the basic text. This is all history that uh, predates the Baby Blue but is relevant to its creation. This was a phone interview at that point. There were some technical difficulties. The interview was resumed about a month and a half later in Lisbon, Ohio at a literature conference that was taking place up there where I was able to conclude the interview with Billy face-to-face. The fifth part of this episode was actually a primer. Uh, that is a 2011 History Day uh, conference where Billy was uh, a speaker on the Baby Blue. And that will be the third part. Again, all three parts, all five separate podcasts run together, uh, all three recording sessions. The first two took place in 2014, and actually the fifth one, which is a brief overview of the entire history of the Baby Blue, uh, was something that Billy was a speaker at in 2011, again, a History Day And uh, that kind of encapsulates the whole thing and gives you a primer. Uh, It puts things more in in a condensed perspective because a lot of the interviews were really in-depth with regard to things that were going on at the time. That being said, we'll get to the podcast. Again, they do all run together with no break in the action. Hope you enjoy the interviews.
1: All right, so I'm interviewing
0: Billy Allen today. Uh, Can you hear me, Billy? I can hear you great, brother. And I just uh, used your last name because it's in the court documents. Do we need to edit that out and go back, or are we okay with that?
1: I'm not worried about it.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to be talking about the history of the, the baby blue today, and I guess to really do that, we got to go back and really get into the initial history of the basic text. I um, was wondering if maybe you could tell uh, people who are listening yeah, how the how our basic text came to be, basically, uh, how we got our second edition, which a lot of people don't realize, was, I guess, our our original basic text is the fellowship originally approved that. Uh, could you go ahead and tell us about that a little bit?
1: The approval form basic text was sent out uh, for the fellowship to conference and uh, the groups approved the approval form which, uh, then they brought the first edition out, and uh, that did not come out until 1983, and when it came out, uh, they had changed the book, uh, and that was done through uh, Jimmy, uh, Bob R., uh, I can't think, of Chuck, uh, I think Chuck Stinnard, and he uh, was a board director, directors, board trustees, and the office manager that uh made the decision to change our book. And everyone thought it was Jimmy, uh, just Jimmy, but it was all these people involved together. And uh they made the, they leaked information out that the book was changed uh before it came out printing in eighty two basically. Uh you know and uh, they actually changed the whole the ninth tradition. And then the fellowship demanded that uh uh 4th and ninth, he put back in and that's when they removed Jimmy and they, uh, some of the board members resigned as a result of that and uh, that's how they hired Bob Stone to come into the office and replace Jimmy uh, but uh, fellowship was up in arms at any moment to tamper with our book in that manner and, uh, and that's how the second edition came about And the second edition really should have been the first edition of Asian Pets uh, you know and so then you got the second edition basic text with the original fourth and ninth restored to it because the fellowship demanded that. And, uh, I don't know if you feel comfortable if I should just go through each edition up to the baby blue stuff,
0: or do you want to ask more questions? Uh, you know, however you're comfortable doing it, maybe I'll jump in and, and ask questions along the way if there's uh, something that needs clarification. Uh, I, I did want to ask you, and I, I know I've gone over this in in podcasts before. But if somebody is, is listening, this is their first one. Uh, the uh, the line specifically that were removed from the fourth and ninth tradition. The fourth the fourth tradition is the, is the line where well, the, there's a couple lines where they talk about that the service structure, basically anything that is not the addicts who make up our our groups, our home groups, and our meetings. When we're actually in meetings and actively carrying the message that everything else is not narcotics anonymous with regard to how can we have all these things that are organized to be a part of N.A. And the answer is that they're not N.A. And then in the ninth tradition, uh, there's a line that says uh, the rule the, that the service the service bodies cannot rule, censor, decide, or dictate. And then I think later on in that tradition, it uh, like a couple lines down, it states that whether or not we choose to use these services is up to the groups. Is that correct?
1: Yes. I mean, it, it's uh, it's kind of funny that it got all the way to where the, the book was approved and then they changed it because. That was in every draft. It was in the, the grade book stating that way. And it was in the Santa Monica draft in 1981. That had been, um, April of 81 when, uh, the Santa Monica draft was put together. Uh, and so they had well enough time to see that, that these traditions had that in it already, uh, that, uh, when you look at, uh, I'm looking at a draft right now, the Santa Monica, which, uh, it is not out there. It's on Radio Free, though.
0: Uh, Radio Free would be the uh, Yahoo group. If you go to Yahoo groups and type in Radio Free NA, that's the... Uh, you can
1: just Google Radio Free NA, and it'll take you to it.
0: Okay. You know,
1: and you can sign up for Radio Free that way. But it's in our files. Uh, not positive which file, because you have files in Radio Free 1, 2, 3, and 4.
2: Right. Where you can
1: find the Santa Monica draft. Uh, the great books up there, you've got uh, all the court, most, 99% of the court information is on Radio 3, okay?
2: Okay.
1: The line you're talking about is like in Tradition 4, uh, um, each group has had to grow on its own and stand on its own two feet. One might ask, is it really true, are we truly autonomous, what about the service committee or offices or activities or hotlines and all other things that go on in the name? The answer, of course... These things are not NA. They are services that we utilize to help us in our recovery, and further the primary purpose of the group. Narcotics those men and women as they meet together in groups it, and using a given set of principles to find freedom, you know, from active addiction. Was, uh, so yeah.
2: that was in you know, the there, Santa the Monica draft, right there. You read from in
1: the, in, in the Santa Monica. Monica. It was in the Great Book in the Memphis Great Book, uh, and then it has condition uh, the way of life. All else is not NA. These, you know. Uh, these, those other things we mentioned are the result of members carrying up the reach-out to help and exercise to that road may be easier. You know, whether we, whether or not we choose to utilize this service for the benefit of the group is up to us. You know, and uh, this stuff has been in there, and, it, you know, the stuff they removed in the ninth was there to start with, and it, it, it wasn't changed in the gray. It was not changed in the, in the, the Santa Monica draft. And it wasn't changed in the approval form that went out. That's so, and then to change it was telling the fellowship that we're going to do what we want to do, and you know, and that's
0: how it's going to operate. Basically, after we said you can't rule, censor, decide, or dictate as a fellowship, they immediately censored. Uh, I, I do have a question with regard to the, the gray form. Um, now, I don't own a gray form anymore. There was a time when I did, and I was not around back when all these things uh, were happening, of course. But it seemed to me that the great form did not uh, contain that specific wording, but as you read the fourth and ninth traditions, and the great form was a much longer version of our basic text. It was never approved by the fellowship, but that initial great form was much longer than what we have now. But when I read those the fourth tradition and the ninth tradition in the great form that that sentiment was there, but it was not worded exactly the way it was in the Santa Monica draft in the approval form. Is that correct?
1: Well, they're, they're basically the traditions are because Greg wrote them.
0: Right. Greg, you now we're referring to basically a... a little, uh,
1: there might have been a little tweaking of it, okay? Okay. It should have been the gray form a little bit longer. But them, that wording was there in, in all all three uh, forms, okay? Okay. Uh, it went from the, the gray form to Santa Monica, which... Uh, I think the only place you're going to find this, uh, Santa Monica draft is on the, is actually on Radio Free. I don't see it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay. I see the minutes from Santa Monica on other sites, uh, like com, The minutes are there in archives. The minutes are there, but they don't have the actual, uh, book. And what's on Radio Free, basically, uh, what it is, this is the work developed at the Fourth, uh, World Literature Conference, Santa Monica. In California, 1980. Well, this material was re-typeset. It is not the original typeset that was supposed to have been lost. There is hope that it is original as the first draft of this material. However, it is for his purposes only to make the material available to all, and that's what we're putting together here. Okay, about right. in the history collection, so people know it's not the original typeset that's on radio free. But in my, in anyone that I talk to, it is the work. Okay, and then it's document the work. Okay, then it's basically yeah. Uh, the grade book in a cleaner up form is what it, they
2: said it is right uh,
1: so I put the minutes there With you know in the beginning, I'm putting it together for my my historical stuff, and basically I'm putting the minutes from uh, the letter that the World chair put out about it so, about uh, what this draft is you know, uh, you know because what was sent out to review form. The review and input form was the Memphis draft, and that's the great book. This okay. draft of Santa Monica was the work they did, and then they ended up at the Fifth World Conference, and somehow they lost this draft and had to start almost over from scratch with the great book, and, and then they came out with uh, the white approval form is what happened. Uh-huh. So, so that's the, the actual, you know, and, and, and that was created through the Fifth, which was in Ohio, and the Sixth was, was in Miami before uh, wcn 11 uh, was it after it might have been after WC it was after WCN and uh, the world literature conference was and uh, like in Santa Monica that was before the World Service conference okay
2: right. so they had
1: a, a literature conference and they got more that's where they got the trustees involved in the basic text was that the fourth World League conference okay and that's why they went through the they worked a little bit more on uh, the tradition part that Greg originally wrote. And I think they shortened it up
0: somewhat yeah, when it ended up in um, in the approval form. So you actually had the trustees giving input on this approval form, which went out to the fellowship. Uh, and, right. and just for argument's sake, uh, for a, anybody out there who's new to this, even had those prior drafts not existed, we had that final approval draft go out. And in my reading of the history, um, and, again, I wasn't there for this, but that, that approval form was sent – not just to regions or areas, but to every home group that uh, we were aware of that was in existence at the time. Is that correct?
1: The, the, the actual book was sent out the same way, and the approval form was sent out right. every that was in existence that we knew about. Everyone got a copy of that. I mean, our home group got a copy of the book sent to it. Right. The, copy of the approval form sent to the home group because we were registered with WSO, and then the literature committee actually had a larger list than WSO actually had. Of groups, so they made sure that everyone got a copy of it, so we could have total open participation, not only the writing but the approval of it. There was an open participatorial uh, involvement in creating this material and then approving that material. So for the office to turn around and the board of trustees and the board of directors then to say, "Oh, we just found something," right? They were involved in this the whole time. You know, at least when the fourth world went on. You had trustees involved, and in because it showed up in Santa Monica, and it shows that uh, Sydney was there, it shows the different trustees that, you know, got involved. It shows Sally was involved with it, Chuck Skinner was involved with it. So you had trustees involved in this year, writing of this book. They they are the ones that worked on, you know, uh, more on the on the traditions, and it states that in the Santa Monica, uh, I mean, um, minutes, that the trustees got involved, and they turned that part over to the trustees to input
0: now you'd so to
1: change it and then act like the fellowship did something wrong and to change it on them was totally violation of any group conscience process at that point in time
0: and you'd mentioned that the world uh, literature committee had a larger list than the World Service office did at that particular point in time, uh, and this is another question I, I had for you, and I guess not to spend too much time on on this, but uh, I think it's kind of crucial. The, uh, another impression that I get as I read the history, and this is something that uh, you and I, I don't think have even discussed before at all, but as I read the history, I kind of get the impression that our our original basic text came about much in the same way that the Baby Blue did as far as home groups and addicts that were a part of the actual fellowship um, acting on the will of their group consciences Almost in opposition to what the World Service Office wanted at that point in time as a whole. I know there are people in World Services like Greg P. who were very supportive and, uh, instrumental in that effort. But is it, is that a correct assessment that the, uh... you know
1: What happened was Bo Sewell, okay.
0: Right. Uh, Bo asked,
1: was the guy that, uh, wanted to know where our book was at. Because you guys remember back then in the time of oh, when we first got clean, when Bo got clean, when Greg got clean, there was no basic text. There was a little white book. It uh, was five IPs that uh, Jimmy and them wrote, and, uh, you know, there was no basic text at all. We were using the the, the other fellowships' book in our rooms yet, Ender 12 and 12, and we didn't have our own literature, and we were just changing words in the rooms. And Bo wanted to know where our book was at. He went out to San Francisco to the World Convention, or, or uh, you know, back then they had the conference and the convention together, basically. And he went there and wanted to know, and uh, he said the book isn't mm-hmm. being written that uh, and, uh, Greg was supportive and told him to start writing, and the, uh, they set a Georgia literature committee up and start writing input for the book, and then Bo got elected as the, as the world literature uh, uh, chair for, for the world literature committee. And then um, through him, he set Milton Fisterial Committee up, and they met in Wichita, Kansas, to start the writing of the book. You know, and through an open gestatorial committee uh, involvement, they got a group out there to host it in Lincoln. I mean, in uh, Wichita, and through that there, they got people to come from around the country to get the book started. And then they, the next conference was held in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that's basically where they made the, dec- you know, they made the decision in These two conferences, what, how they're going to write the book, and they're going to use a little white book, as, it, and they added a couple more uh, chapters in. To to expand on, they expanded the white book into our basic text is what they did, and uh, and then they come out with the with the input and review form, pre-publication draft of our book, which came out known as the gray book. You know, and they invited everyone. I mean, anyone that they get on, they invited to come participate. Right. And they sent this material to groups and asked groups to start input and review and stuff. Please send your input in because I know our home group is sending input. I didn't even know at that point in time, what we were doing, but we were writing at our group, and then our group was sending input to the World Literature uh, Committee. And uh, and then I used to go to a meeting down in Bristol, PA, and they were doing the same thing through a guy named George. They were right now, you know, the steps, because they were told by uh, the World Public uh, Information Chair, you're not allowed to use uh, 12 and 12. You've got So we start writing something there, inputting, and uh, George turned that stuff over to the World Literature Committee then as input. At Yeah,
0: 12, 12 you referenced that's a, uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous book, correct? Right. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I I, just, I think maybe we better clarify some things as we go on right here. We've uh, used some last names like I did with you uh, on a couple occasions right at the beginning. With Bo, his name is actually part of this public record documented uh, in that court case. And with uh, Chuck S., I've actually read interviews with him online where he admits that he was part of uh, that meeting of four people. Uh, that, where his first and last name is also used in documents, though not court documents, uh, as part of an interview that online where he actually came out, gave his last name, and actually admits to violating the traditions as a trustee.
1: And you got to remember, all this is in, all their names were in the book, also, okay, in, uh, you know, when they put the World Literature Committee out. And everything used to send out from conference had full names in it. Chuck Skinner was listed as chair of the board of trustees with his full name, Chuck Skinner. Right. So we're not any documentation
0: anyone to personal anonymity
1: And then The conference or the office had full names on it that.
0: Right. So we're, we're not like disclosing anything not previously disclosed, and I just want to make that point. Now,
1: this is all disclosed. Joe Proctor's uh, name was on as, as uh, World Conference Chair, uh, I mean Treasurer, okay? Joe Proctor from Memphis, Tennessee, It is his full address and phone number. That was written right in the approval form. Okay. You know, on, on the front cover where they had the listing of the officers of the World Service Conference, were listed right there with full names. Right. Was right in the approval form. So you'll see their names, uh, names, any names. I mean, Jimmy Ken, his name was out there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows him as Jimmy K. A lot of people don't even know who he was. That he was one of the founding members of Narcotics Anonymous. <clears throat> but uh, people use his full name. He's, he's passed on. Right uh, these names are all aware to the whole fellowship back then in documentations that you would get documentation with these names on them
0: right, and I think maybe just myself, I get a little bit worried sometimes um sometimes some of the personal attacks we come under, and then I don't <laughs> I just want to be clear, I guess for anybody who uh, wants to say, "Oh, look, these guys are violating their traditions that uh, just wanted to make that clear to the people who are out there listening why sometimes these last names are used and that, that those names are part of the record already.
1: Let me tell you something, okay? The way I look at my name, my name is not my anonymity, okay? It's what you do with it that matters. That's where the violation comes in. I, I don't violate my amenity by telling you my name. It's, mm-hmm. it's what you do with it that violates it. Right. If I know your full name, it's not you giving me your name, that's the violation. It's what I do with that name of yours to discredit you, uh to put it into public knowledge and things like that there, that's where the violation comes in.
2: Right, right.
1: Uh and a lot of people don't realize that. Uh that your full name is not your anonymity. What it is is what we do with it.
0: Right it matters. Yeah, and we're we're talking about people who have volunteered their first and last name and that have uh right. we're talking about things that that are documented that can be checked out and followed up on. Um, okay. so, so names are
1: I mean, you'll find letters from uh, Chuck Skinner to Greg Pierce. Right. So they're written and they're on. You'll find them on various sites. You can. You find that in archives. You'll find that at carryingthemessage uh, com. You'll find that stuff on Radio Free NA and other people that have hosting sites. You'll find their full names in these sites.
0: Right. Okay. So now we we're up to the. I think we're we're up to the second edition and how that came to be. Uh, I. I I don't think we – and I don't know if it's really pertinent, but I know the, the world-lit chair at the time, who was not Bo anymore, a man by the name of Paige got up on the floor and demanded that they give us the, the uh, book back as we originally approved it. Now, uh, now the, my, my knowledge is that the first edition and the second edition were both published the same year. Yes. 19- what
1: happened was the, the first edition was brought out, okay, late, okay? And then by, it was brought out before the conference, finally, and it was actually, they were handing the uh, the, the book out after the conference, after they, uh, you know, put the second edition out already. They were still handing the first editions out. And then the second edition come out as the same way, but then they started putting stick, stickies over, you know, to replace the... Because they kept it the same, way. they kept it the second edition, put the second edition on it, and never changed the wording. So then you had to pass out, send you stickies to put in your book. Oh. the first. Yeah. Okay. There are some second editions with with uh, with uh, you know uh, sticky uh, over it with the words right. I've heard of
0: rumors of little stickies for the book before, but I'd never known the details or what exactly those were for.
1: They printed the second edition without changing. Um, The tradition is what the fellowship wants restored into
0: it. Okay. And they
1: actually make the first edition with the second edition on it.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, we learn something every day here. And I, I figure I'm going to learn a lot more today. So we're, we're up to the second edition. So how, how did we get the third edition at this point?
1: The third edition, what happened was, okay, uh, we went to the World Service Conference that year. And, uh, I have to check. I think support of trustees in their reports said a group from Nebraska, okay, which could not be confirmed that that group even existed by their – I forget what region they were in at that point in time, but it couldn't even be confirmed that that group even existed. And they they gave a, a thing that this group wanted to address. And, and the real thing is uh, there was no – so the trustees put this on the floor, which, which uh, there was no process – even for a group to address the conference. You know, a single group could not address a conference. They, a single group had to go through the process of group conference if they wanted something addressed in the conference board. There was a procedure for that. And the procedure was you go through your group, you go through your area, your area, send something back to the other groups, the groups approve it, and then it goes to the regions, and then the region sends it out to all the groups. You know, their are areas and groups, and then the whole region approves something, and then they have to submit it uh, by a certain time in January uh, to be submitted in the conference agenda report as a motion from a region.
0: Okay. And this is why um, this, take a full, this is why it takes a full conference cycle to go from old business to new new business. So right. that we can and we want to make clear to people because I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast. Uh, came into the fellowship under the concepts, and the concepts talk about group conscience happening in a service structure. Back at this point in time, when we're talking about group conscience, we we're only talking about the home groups. So at every level, things need to go back to every home group in that area, in that region to get what a real group conscience is, and that would be the input of every where ultimate authority actually happens, which is at the group level. They need to have time to give their input to that area, to that region. And this is why we take a full conference cycle to do things, correct?
1: And, and there, was no, there was no process for a group to get something addressed on the conference floor. And I think that's the most important thing that happened, that there was no process. And they ended up, uh, in the beginning of the conference, they gave them their report, and then they said they had to, you know, everyone said you had to bring that up under new business. They brought it back under new business, and they made a motion on the conference floor to change it back uh, to what they had in the first edition. And then the group said, "Well, that's something you can't do here." Right. Process, and the conference made a decision then that we're going to we're going to send it out to the groups uh, for 60 days to vote on this here, and it will be done by a telephone vote, and the, and the RSRs are supposed to vote on this here, uh, and I left that conference really uh, appalled because it was it was there were so many insane things that happened uh, at this point in time. Uh, you know, and, and, and but this uh, took the cake that you're going to go back in with something that's that controversial, and you're going to present this on a conference board where there's no process, no procedure even for it to be put on the conference. And they're going to, they, they, so they had to change conference procedures to do this. They had to violate the conference agenda the way they operated to do it, and then they had they had to change the process of sending it out back to the groups for Um uh, through the next conference process, so the, you you, you violate so many different uh, procedures here. One was a group had to go through their 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 area to start with to the region to the conference.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me so ask you, you one quick. I want to ask you one quick question because, and this is just my understanding, and, and it's something that I've never had clarified. My understanding is at this time, you can't bring something up as old business and new business in the same conference. And if it's a, if it's a new item for discussion, a new motion to be made, it has to be brought up as new business, and then the next at the next conference it will be voted on as old business. Correct? And so you cannot have something voted on. And this needs to take a full conference cycle, which you already addressed. I I think one thing I wanted to point out, that you you mentioned the way this needs to go back up the chain to the groups, through regions, through areas, to the groups, and then back down. Uh, I know there's at least a few regions that still just meet quarterly today, but at this time a lot of regions are only meeting quarterly. Basically 60 days there is no way possible to actually –
1: all regions back then, in the quarterly, okay. We left the conference, uh, uh, in the beginning, in May, okay. Like Mid-Atlantic, I was representing Mid-Atlantic, uh, you know, and, uh, what happened then was, uh, I, I would bring the report back, uh, the areas would meet, uh, on the first and second weekends in, in June. I would, we'd have the region on the third weekend, okay, of June. And then, uh, that process, Anything I brought back in the conference, the conference report, then will be uh, sent back to the areas. The areas will get that information in July then at their area service bodies. And then that will be taken back to the groups, and then the groups would bring that stuff back in August. So you're talking about uh, May, June, July, August. That's a four-month process that it takes. There's no possible way to do this stuff. In the process we were utilizing back then to have something done in 60 days in an emergency system and there was no real emergency except they wanted it changed right that's not what their emergency was and the trustees you got to remember it's it's the trustees again who were part of changing it originally
0: now I just I want to touch on a a couple things really quickly here again as well you've mentioned that there is no possible way to get a true group conscience or to even get the opinion of the group in 60 days. Now I was unaware of this and actually giving out bad information myself because I always thought that this was, it was a mail-in vote, but I always thought it was a group tally where the actual groups were supposed to mail in. So what we basically had happen was RSRs at the time, I guess they call them RDs now, but the RSRs at the time were told to pull the home groups, which there's no feasible way they could have done because a lot of these regions covered multiple states at the time. And so it was actually the RSRs who mailed in a vote. Um, Another thing I had heard that I didn't know if you could confirm it was that there was apparently some letter from an attorney that they included uh, that was designed to influence that vote in some way, as far as the RSRs were concerned, is that total rumor uh, well,
1: no, there was a letter, but I don't have that document. Okay, so I can't. Okay,
0: well, I, I know you well enough. You're not going to discuss anything that you can't prove with documentation. I don't have to,
1: I cannot. I cannot uh,
0: so we'll, we'll leave that in the category of rumor then, because it can't be substantiated.
1: Right. But I do know they influenced by their their actions and how they influenced people was saying you should be able to vote your your uh, your membership conscience you should you know, you should have been given and this is where the idealism starts coming in, that you should have a vote of confidence. But they wanted us to do it on this conference floor and we want to do it on the conference floor. And that's when they come up with this other process, the sixty day process. And uh, and that's when you found out that there's a conflict at the conference.
0: Okay, so we're sitting here with Billy A in Lisbon, Ohio. The long awaited part two to the uh the uh Fifth episode of Autonomous Unity, the real history of the baby blue. Uh, We're at the uh, literature conference, actually, in Lisbon, Ohio, October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We're actually the early a.m. hours of the 5th now. And finally, we're going to do this face-to-face so there won't be any technical issues over the phone. (laughs) Uh, There's things we need to clear up from the last one. And uh, there was a question came up about some stuff with Jimmy Kay. And I've listened to this over and over again, and I swear you said they got rid of Jimmy, but there are times when we say we did this and we did that. So I'm going to give the mic to you and let you explain what you mean when you're talking in general terms of we, because we wanted to clear that up a little bit when we're talking about the historically, when you talk about we did this at a conference. Well,
1: we is inclusive, okay, as addicts. And uh, when when I talk a lot, I use the we form, and that comes from the way... Jimmy wrote the steps of narcotics and I was in the weak concept uh, but when I'm talking about the bay I'm talking about the world service uh, uh, versus the fellowship at that point of time with uh, with uh, the trustees, the board of directors, and uh, the whole manipulation in the con when I said Bay got rid of Jimmy uh, you know and uh you know when when that happened, and people need to understand Jimmy got blamed for the changes in the fourth and ninth tradition in the first, in the approval form. And uh, if you read, if you uh, listen to Chuck Skinner, read Chuck Skinner's uh, interview, he takes accountability for that. Chuck Skinner says he did it. And then if you listen to uh, in uh, Philadelphia History Day. Uh, Jim Nichols, which he passed on Jim, uh, clarified that the Board of Trustees actually looked at the fourth and ninth tradition changes and approved them changes to happen in the first edition that Jimmy, Chuck Skinner, Chuck Gates, and uh, Bob Raymar did. That wasn't just Jimmy who changed it, but what Chuck Skinner did was contact Greg Pierce and informed him that, that and in, in a letter, the letter is available for people. They can see exactly what he wrote. And Bob Raymore contacted his sponsee chain and blamed Jimmy. And so they, they, they got the fellowship, the literature committee in an uprise, and they came out shooting for Jimmy's job then, shooting for WSO. And Jimmy was the one that got removed. And then Bill Beck resigned. Douglas resigned. Uh, and I was not part of that part process that happened. You know, Jimmy was my grand sponsor. You know, and uh, I thought Jimmy should have had a position at the World Service Office, you know, for the rest of his life, as long as he wanted to be there. But they removed him at the conference. The conference removed him through that there lies, manipulations, and cons that happened, and no one taking responsibility
0: of that. So that's what I meant by that. So I want to clarify just real quick. From what I understand, and I want to make sure that what we put out here is correct. Jimmy was on board with the changes and knew of them, but he is not the person who single-handedly made these. The interviews I've read, I know which interview you're talking about with Chuck, where he says, I'm the one who crossed out the lines. Uh, Jimmy did have knowledge of that, but he's kind of the one who took the blame as far as the fellowship went. Is, Is that what we're we're saying here? Yes,
1: uh, Jimmy had knowledge of it. Jimmy was part of it with, okay. with Chuck Skinner, Bob Raymar, and Chuck Gates. Right. And, but they did make, give it to the Board of Trustees, and the Board of Trustees, according to Jim Nichols, voted to change that. He said, if I had to do it over, Jim said, that, and knew the re- repercussions of it, I wouldn't have voted to change it. Right. But he said the Board of Trustees definitely saw it. Greg was the only one that didn't
0: see it on Oregon. And we want to, as we're going through, we're going to try and let people know where to find this documentation. I know the letter you just referenced that was written to Greg P um, from uh, Chuck. I, I know I've seen that on Radio Free. I, I'm pretty sure I might have seen that on Carry the Message. But uh, we just encourage people to go out and look up this documentation when we say something. Uh, there's one side of this issue, and I've said this over and over that we want you to go out and make your own decision. We want the fellowship to decide, and we want you to have the information. So, uh, you know. You can find most of what we're going to talk about here, if not all of it, on Radio Free N.A. And then just to be clear, when we do say things, uh, in this particular podcast, like we, we're generally going to be referring to a fellowship decision. Uh, So if, if you hear us say we, it doesn't mean Billy and I hatched some grand scheme. It means we're talking about we as a fellowship, and if we mean anything other than that, we'll tell you. And we just wanted really quickly for the newcomer or people who may be confused We're talking about Santa Monica draft, we're talking about uh, the approval form, Uh, and we probably covered this a little in the last podcast, but the rough draft of our basic text was basically the gray form that went back to the fellowship. The Santa Monica draft, uh, it ended up missing, uh, but... After the fellowship did some input, we had the Santa Monica draft, and then after that was lost and they went back to a couple more conferences, we ended up with what was the approval form. These were all part of a process that led to our our, uh, original basic text. The approval form ended up identical to the original basic text. The fellowship did approve it, actually ended up identical to the second edition basic text we talked about in the last episode. So when we wrapped the last episode up, we were talking about this 60-day process. Some people say 90. I I think the documentation actually says 60 when you read WSC Minutes, where the fellowship was to decide in 60 days whether or not to go back to the first edition in the form of the third edition, and uh, we we touched a little bit about that that was an impossible thing to do because of the geography. Text messaging did not exist back then. Uh, You weren't going to have these RSRs uh... spend long distance to call every home group in the area you did, often you wouldn't have updated lists because we didn't have computers and internet there was really no way to take that conscience in sixty days and we left off right there where there's this conflict at the conference where they were out of line with their own procedures and and the fellowships being asked to believe that we changed our minds on the traditions in in a short two years all of a sudden the fellowship itself had flip-flopped where when you go in and read The documentation in the WSC minutes, is very obvious that the conscience of the groups was subverted because they knew that the groups would not change their minds on those traditions. And I just want to get from you, am I assessing correctly where we left off there? Because I don't want my interpretation to be anything different than what you were trying to convey when we left off at the end of that last episode.
1: Uh, You're right in the sense where it was 60 days, not 90 days. Mm -hmm. And leaving the conference, okay, was between... Uh, the region didn't meet to, our region did not meet to uh, uh, June, in the middle of June. Mid-Atlantic didn't meet the middle of June. So you're leaving the conference in May, middle of May. You're leaving the conference. It's a month later till you actually get back to your region. Okay. And what I talked about, the earliest possible date would have been 90 days. And that's meeting, if you leave in, in, in May and then June you meet the region, that goes back to areas, uh, in, in July, and then it goes back to the groups, it would have ta- been, August would have been the first state that the, the groups could have voted, I mean, sent it to their areas. And then if you, you could have voted in the areas then and, and actually called your RSR up and gave them the vote. So it would have been August by then, okay? So you're talking May to June is one month, June to July is another, that's a three-month process. Right. And that's where 90 days people get confused. It would have yeah. taken 90 days. And that's what phone call votes on top of it. And you're right. We had word processors at that point. Computers were really, no one had up to PCs. No one had laptops. Uh, we were using typewriters yet.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. If you look at the old, a lot of the old uh, things that was done in typewriting.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, you know, our handwritten stuff yet. A lot of stuff was handwritten and, and typeset at that point of time. And you actually went to a print shop, not to a copy shop back then. You actually right. had it print on a real printer. You made plates
0: <laughs> right. for stuff. Yeah.
1: So there was no way they could have done that in 60-day process
0: yeah.
1: and involved groups. Yeah. You know, and that's when they were starting the whole process of uh, can't you vote as a vote of confidence by your, as you being the RSR. Yeah. You know, as, and at the Mid-Atlantic... They didn't give you a vote of confidence. They gave you a vote of confidence that you would carry their conscience, a different thing, but you did not change their conscience on the conference floor. Right. And for it to come from a, a group, and I went over that as a group, a group didn't have a process to just save it to the trustees and the trustees were put in the conference floor, except for it prevented the process of being in the conference agenda. And then back then you had to have it in the conference agenda, and it had to be done by a certain time, and that word 90 days. Was it had to be out to the fellowship 90 days before the conference mm-hmm. to be voted on. And no group had a process just to circumvent the whole, their, their whole area, their region, and, and, uh, and to get to the conference. You know, there was no process there for that to happen. So there was a manipulation and
0: con in my mind for that to happen and if i misspoke and said we didn't have computers i meant to say we didn't have internet but you're right computers were were uh, not a lot of people had them and word processing back then. And uh, I think the other thing I want to make the point is is, uh, when we had things going out for 90 days in the conference agenda report, home groups were looking for that. None of these home groups knew to be looking for something they were suddenly supposed to be voting on unless their RSR came back and told them. And again, the only means they would have is to uh, there was no flat rate long distance to actually get on and call people long distance across these vast regions every time and and actually collect a conscience which we know didn't happen. I also refer you to one more website, the NARC or N-A- it's an archives n a r c h i v e s dot com. It's actually dot magshare dot com, where you can find a lot of this stuff. And I know that the letter that went out to the fellowship that, that supposedly explained both sides. If you read that letter, it's about six or seven pages, if I remember right, of of the trustees saying why we needed to change the traditions. And then uh, I actually asked you about this. I, I said the, it seemed that the our side of things, for lack of a better term, was so poorly written. That I wondered if anybody from our point of view wrote that, and, and your response to me was that a that you had no knowledge of anybody who wrote anything for our site on that, that, that you don't know who wrote that, and and then uh, we we talked a little bit about um, uh, oh the whole the the voting that they reported and that there were it was unanimous to send this back in their abstentions and you were on the world service conference floor that year did your region abstain or did your region vote no i want to get this from the horse's mouth since the documentation that they have in the wsc minutes seems to be a little different Uh, we voted no okay So, so you voted your region voted no that this does not go back to the groups right now not because we're subverting group conscience but because it needs to follow the proper procedure and take a full conference cycle That it was out of order. We
1: had put it on the floor that this is out of order. It had no process to do it this way. If they wanted to do this here, they had to get it in the conference agenda and do it the proper process.
0: Right, okay, so I wanted to clarify that. So now we kind of got to where we're at today, and I guess one more thing I'll clarify really quick because you and I went over these documents today, and we looked at the gray form and, and what we believe may be the Santa Monica draft, and there is one line. Uh, that that says that uh, World Service may not rule, censor, decide, or dictate is the only line that made it into the approval draft that was not in the prior forms because we'd we'd had a little debate on that on the last show. Uh, But again, we talked about the trustees had been involved with this whole process. They would have been involved with that process of actually changing this long essay which was was far superior to that one line in my opinion that, that Greg P had written about the service structure and and uh, professionalism within Narcotics Anonymous and and administrative structures and condensed it kind of into this one line. and It was just, again, to point out that we did have trustees involved in this process, uh, that all those other lines were there in the previous drafts, and that the one line that was not there that they removed the trustees themselves had had the traditions portions turned over to them. Is that correct and would have been involved in actually making some of those changes? Uh,
1: the, the tradition portion was turned over in Santa Monica to them. Okay. Okay, it's
0: where it got turned over to them.
1: Uh, Greg wrote the the long form of the traditions in the Gray Book. And then it got turned over to the trustees to input the tradition part for our book.
0: So this is something that the the only one line they would have not possibly been aware of, and even at that they, they... I and mean, there was plenty of time before this book came out it was not the only line they removed and there was plenty of time that they should have been involved were they reading this material that they supposedly had input and reviewed from the, you know, from at least Santa Monica on uh, that there's no excuse to have all of a sudden that this was suddenly like new information that, that we didn't have before.
1: Right, I mean they, they had the approval form of the basic text uh, and the approval form, the Board of Trustees should be reviewing. They made no objections on the conference floor at that point of time. The book was approved. And to say that we just found this out, it just appalls me.
0: You tell me what year we're talking about as far as...
1: We're back in 1981 with, with the approval form.
0: Oh, and when we're talking about the third edition stuff. What year are we in when it went back to the, the um, of 60 days?
1: Trying to figure, that was 84. I think that was a nineteen eighty four conference that's the year they they removed the force step inventory guide. And I think that's a lot of the process there because there was an upheaval with the force step inventory guide also at that conference where they removed that from the from the, the the World service inventory. They did not disapprove it. They removed it from the inventory uh because it did a sexual march from the conference over that issue saying that uh it was a sex it was uh uh racist. Uh, it was uh, against homosexuality in that theory inventory guide, you know, and and they marched on the conference floor and basically had had it coming out on that conference floor of their sexuality, and removed that from world service inventory. What they did with it.
0: Right. And, and again, if you want to see this document, I, I actually I believe I've worked a four step from that particular guy that you're talking about um there, it wasn't an indictment of homosexuality in there there was a question that asked your views on different sexual practices as far as you getting in touch with your own feelings and your own sexuality and and things like that and there was no, no indictment of any particular sexual practice that i remember um uh, that being said, the reason I'd asked you to to tell the people the years we're talking about is because when you go into an archives, if you want to find out what's going on, I used to search that thing and not be able to find what I was looking for. You just got to click on the year, and all the stuff that was pertinent to the World Services at that time will generally pop up if they have a record of it. There's a lot of World Service conference minutes in the, the mid to late 80s that are no longer available or were never made available to the fellowship for some reason. Well, I think we know the reasons. Uh, but uh, if you want to search for these documents on archives, we encourage you to, uh, if you, if you want to disprove or prove what we're saying here, go look it up and, and, and find the documentation and read it yourself. So I, I'm going to hand the mic back off to Billy now because, I'd like him, this is something I really can't, I think I would do it an injustice if I were to start asking specific questions. I know there's this time frame from 1988 to 1990 when we, your home group and some other home groups from my understanding, start printing the third edition revised and eventually make the decision that it's the home group's conscience and the fellowship in general never approved taking, changing our traditions and decided to put back in the third edition revised those um, those missing lines from the traditions, which in 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 all it, it, the effect of that is we actually have our original basic text at this point with the revised headers that the fellowship had approved. Um, so I just I'd ask you if if you would to just tell the story of that, however as briefly or as long as you want to take that that period from 1988 to 1990, and then I guess into the court case. There there are probably some questions I ask you about the court case as we go on, but I'd like you to just tell that story in your own words, uh, is, you know as succinctly as you can remember it. If you wouldn't mind doing that for us. Uh, when I talk about years, okay, uh,
1: you're going to have to look at 1988. You're going to have to look at 89 uh, because uh, the 4th edition fiasco happened. And uh, that should have happened uh, approximately in the fall of 87 where they've come up with the 4th edition basic text. Because the 88 conference, our home group already had printed uh, the third edition revised basic text uh, because of the fourth edition fiasco. And uh,
0: what, what tell the newcomer what happened with the fourth edition? Fiasco.
1: The fourth edition was was basically a motion on the conference floor. which didn't come from the groups again. Came came uh, from literature committee board of trustees somewhere near. Have to check the minutes to actually say where the actual motion came. But I know it did not come through any regional motions to edit our basic text. And it was for syntax and uh, you know, basic uh, consistency with, with run-on sentences, misspellings is what it was supposed to be about. And instead we got a fourth edition basic text. And in everyone's assumptions, this book was supposed to go back for the fellowship for input and review. But it was alleviating the process of having the fellowship input and review this as we did with the basic text. Mm-hmm. That this was being done by the literature committee is where they were supposed to do in the Board of Trustees, and the office were reviewing it. Instead, we ended up getting the fourth edition in the fall that year, uh, and we didn't know at this point of time what was going on with the book. And uh, and so we went to the conference, and everyone was worked up over this here. And that's when Bob Stone is in the minutes where you hear Bob Stone do the thing about that we can't go back to the third edition revised
0: if I could just, um, so I want to clarify real quick, I said I wasn't going to ask these questions, but we kind of, I did kind of gloss over the fourth edition thing. So we have, um, and I'm going to recount some of what I've read, I think some of them are things that you've told me is that uh, we they were supposed to fix some very minor areas. There was even, I think, where they had taken a word or you had suggested and they had adopted that we don't use the word syntax so that it couldn't be interpreted to mean a deep edit in grammar where they removed that from the motion, so it was supposed to be a light edit. We not only had a lot of lines removed, um, different accounts, I've heard different numbers, but I I think 25 is the most common number I hear. Uh, But they reworded a lot of sentences, so there were conceptual changes as well. And so then we come back to the conference. Bob Stone tells the the conference that we have this fourth edition that Hazelden's already paid for, which would be a violation of our traditions that they funded that, and that they won't let us go back to the third revised, which is a whole other violation of our traditions. Um, so they reinsert the missing lines and, and kind of, and then slap the moratorium on it so that they they think they've put this issue to bed, where the they're saying the basic text cannot now be changed for another five years. Um, and they, they uh, even though they had, they reinserted the missing lines. All the conceptual changes that uh, most accounts I've read say this affected thousands of words. The conceptual changes that were made. So now we have basically a, a rewritten, professionally edited basic text that is not about run-on sentences or, or uh, uh, past and present, uh, you know, uh, agreeing with each other. Tones of voice. We we now have a, some conceptual changes and the fellowship thinking. Or, or being led to believe that, oh, we made a mistake and left out 25 lines and put them back in, where in reality, if you compare a third revised to a fourth or fifth or sixth edition, because you won't find many fourth editions, they're, they're, they don't read the same. There's a lot of lines that are changed. So I, I, if I've, I've recounted any of that wrong, correct it, but we'll kind of pick up there with your home group, and, and now the fellowship has been told we are not going to go back to the third revised which was not an option on the, there was no option on the conference floor from my understanding to create a new edition. It was are we going to accept the fourth edition or go back to the third revised and Bob Stone puts his uh, compromise on the floor which should have been new business and taken a full conference cycle Uh, instead we end up with a fifth edition foisted on the fellowship and no way to change it because the conference, at least no way in their minds to change it because the conference has arbitrarily decided without group conscience that we will make no changes for five years. Uh, if all that's correct, just continue on where your group is left off, but if, if there's some things you need to correct in what I've read, go ahead and, and correct those, please. The only thing I want to bring up is that
1: there, uh, when you talk about syntax, mm-hmm. I had, uh, got on the conference floor and brought that up. I asked the conference if they really understand because uh, uh, the trustee was John F. Uh, from Philadelphia at that point of time. I was up there doing this whole thing, and I got on the floor and I, I, I read the dictionary and said, do we really know what this is saying here when it's talking about and what it's going to allow them to venture into? And that's why it was supposed to be changed. It was supposed to be a light edit, and it was supposed to be specific for, for uh, run-on sentences, misspellings, for English errors, and that was it. Not to change anything conceptual. And when the fourth edition came out, it was conceptual changes, and as it's multiples it's uh w- my home group had done a a uh i think two weeks in my home we uh everyone from my home group in the area came to my house and we had about forty people in my house that were just doing line by line edits with the third edition revised and the fourth edition all right to see what the changes were and it was so many multiples of changes. And we were appalled at it that uh, my home group and another home group went to print with a third edition revised. I ripped my third edition revised up, took it to a printer, and we printed it. We called it the Plain Pink Wrapper. And, and uh, we started putting the books out. And they said, we're not going to accept this as our book. They, cause they, what happens after, because of uh, a house clearing motion, when a third edition revised was created, that after six months that book is no longer in print. All right? It's no longer an approved basic text. So that means after six months of the fourth edition coming out, you wouldn't have had a basic text. Yeah. All right? Except the fourth edition book that was not an approved fellowship by a group conscience book. Uh, and we went to the conference that year in 88, and we were all worked up about it. And that's when Bob Stone got up there and said, we cannot go back to the Dirty Edition Revised because Hazleton will sue us. They funded. They put the initial money up for the fourth edition. And, and then they said, well, we, we, we went over the book, acted like they did a line by line, and we found 25 lines that shouldn't have been taken out. And they, did a con- they, did, they opened up the conference to do a literature conference and inserted the, thir- the, the 25 lines and then called it the fifth edition. We went back to our home group, and we said, we're going to give them the 89 to, to uh, give us our third edition revised back. And they would not hear it on the conference floor in 89. Instead, they went forward with the fifth edition as the base text, Narcotics Anonymous, did their whole process with the five-year seal that would not touch this book for five years. And uh, our home group went back, and that's when Grateful Dave and Big Lou from Miami flew to my house with me. And then now they went... Big
0: Lou's the only one from Miami. Grateful yeah. Dave
1: is from Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Dave was living in Philadelphia at the point of time. Uh, he had lived in my home for six months. Two times. Once was for it works on Y with the little white one they put out. That was what that was we were appalled at, and that's when they reopened up that committee for a while and for the Chicago drafts and LA drafts. Then they shut it back down and put it in house at the office, and then he moved back in when we were going through the fourth edition fiasco. And uh, his home group was in Philadelphia at that point of time. He had belonged to an Atlantic City home group also before that. You know and. Uh, and you, you'll see stuff by Grateful Dave, the Cape Atlantic area. Uh, you know uh, his writings and stuff, and you'll find them things on on Radio Free. You won't find them on the other sites. Uh, you know, and when you say Radio Free, you have to search Radio Free One, Radio Free Two, Radio Free Three, and Radio. You have to join all four groups. Right. All right, you cannot just join Radio Free. That will put you into one and won't put you into two, three, and four. There's right. files in each one that yeah. you and you. And when you open up the files, you have to search the files because you may hit one, it may open up a whole line of new files in there. You have to learn the process, but it covers uh, 99% of the court case in there. Uh, almost everything's in there. There's some things that aren't that are in my files that we will be getting up there uh, as soon as possible after we get them scanned in. Uh, you know, and, uh, so But our group made a decision if we don't get our uh, our third edition revised back that we are going to print the basic text and then that's when uh big lou pom pom who's who passed on and dave Moorhead, who's passed on uh, came out with me to to our home group conscience mm-hmm. and our home group confirmed that the only basic text that we will have will be a third edition revised basic text mm-hmm. and dave went he was at our group conscience lou was at our group conscience and we made the decision that we' wait on who 's going to do the printing at that point we were printing through Sarah Speedy's printing shop mm. I've heard uh, we, name before. yeah, we were using yeah. them and uh and Dave said he thought he he thought they could get a cheaper a cost for us. We said, well, then why don't Lou go down to his home group and and you go to your home group, and we 'll all compare a cost for the book, and well whoever the cheapest printer is that 's what we 're going to go through mm. and Dave found a printer in West Virginia to print the book for us. Because uh, a lot of people like make it look like Grateful Dave's the one that did the, you know, printing. the printing in the in the blue the baby blue that he was the man. Yeah. Where Dave uh, was not alone. He was. It was group conscience that printed the book.
0: If you read the court documents, he consistently says, and his home group backs him up, that this was a group conscience right. decision. This was not Grateful Dave acting on right. his own. Right. It
1: was, was his. As a he person. was acting as a servant for his home group.
0: And these also clear up some of the, Eddie has the, I hope I'm talking loud enough that the mic's picking me up, I think I am, but uh, some of the rumors, there's always, and this is just more for people who are into the history and are curious, because I, I don't think it matters so much where it started, but you hear so often I think when I was a newcomer the thing I heard most often was it started in Florida and then I'd hear Philadelphia which one's great and then you hear this thing once in a while about West Virginia where did the baby blue start this kind of explains where the different rumors get started about you probably have a group of people who are hearing you know Big Blues group doing this in Florida and think they're the first ones. You have people who correctly hear that it was printed in West Virginia at one point and think that's where it came from. I've even seen accounts where they say Grateful Dave was from West Virginia. He wasn't. Um, and So these things did take place in Philadelphia, West Virginia, Florida, and eventually from the stuff I've read, you had, you had them printed in California, in England, Georgia. You had them happening all over the nation by different home groups. Uh, but where it actually started was Philadelphia, no. spread Al- to, allentown, er, Al- 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 sorry, allentown, Al- 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 T- Al- T- Al- not Philadelphia, I'm sorry. And I, I should be, probably every time I've said Philadelphia, I should have been saying Pennsylvania. Um, we're kind of late here. It's very early in the morning, and we've been up all night. and uh, But uh, it, it uh, w- so you have this start in allentown, Pennsylvania, spread to Florida, and then you have the printing done in West Virginia. And then this thing, uh, it becomes a World uh, Service Office concern, when this thing not only goes nationwide but explodes all over the world and you have all these home groups printing them. And at that point, Grateful Dave does become the focal point, correct? Correct. Okay. Now, I'm just kind of let you take it from there. I just wanted to clarify those issues.
1: Uh, The the fall of 87 is the first time a third edition of was printed. Mm -hmm. And that was printed by the 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 Recovery First Group and Narcotics Anonymous in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. 87? Yeah. It's the fall. Okay. It was fall after they brought the fourth edition up. We went to print. Okay. Right. In 88 we were printing and then uh, 89 is when uh, we went to print with the actual baby blue then. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and then we changed the, uh, we, we restored the traditions to the fourth and ninth then through group conscience. The first baby blue was not with the original fourth and ninth and that happened later. Uh, there were a bunch of different covers of the book. One was around a certain with fellowship approved FLC, in it.
0: FLC. Yep, FLC, 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 FLC yeah, FLC. Fellowship approved. Okay.
1: Okay, there was one that said actually fellowship approved, and it was the FLC yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. The
0: there were a few about.
1: different covers, so we settled on the cover that we had.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we restored the, we said, well, if we're going to have the, the what the fellowship approved, then we need to restore the fourth and ninth to it. And that's how we approved it. It was approved through group conscience. Dave got it. His home group approved it. Big Lou's home group approved it. And then uh, uh, Big Lou's printed uh, a brown version with a spiral binding on a hundred of them. Mm, okay. All right? Uh, and that's where the story starts with the guy in Florida, Dave H., that says about the real story, he's in Florida. Mm-hmm. That's what he perceived at that point of time and didn't have all the information. Right. Right. When you don't have all the information, you perceive what's going on around you and that's when it started. Right, yeah, and we all do that. Well, that would have been after the 89 conference, when it's already being printed in the fall of 87 okay. and 88. Uh, and 89 is when they come in the spring, came to our home group from the World Service Conference, when they would not restore our book, because they flew back home with me. Yeah,
0: because yeah, our
1: home group already made the decision if we don't get our third edition revised back, we're going to print, and it's our only approved basic text. We're not going to be dictated or mandated by the World Service Conference. And, and in uh, the second edition is where you got them traditions that were manipulated that I talked about at the eighty-four Conference.
0: That's yeah, when we got them back was in the second edition. Yeah,
1: in the second edition is where we got them back. Okay. And then we went through the process of, of the trustees and stuff removing them again, so you know, through the process that they manipulated the conference at.
0: So then we, we have the court case, and what happens with, with the court case? Well, the court
1: cases they filed against Dave Moorhead. Mm-hmm. The World Service Office filed a case against Dave Moorhead. I still remember that when Dave, David flew out, the World Service Office a couple of times. I'm trying to get him to him to stop printing. He said he would not stop printing. Uh, his group conscience is to print, and he would not go against his group conscience. And that so they print it. Uh, they kept the printing going and then they took a suit out against Grateful Dave they had a choice between Grateful Dave uh, myself or, or Big Lou Pom Pom okay. and they chose Dave and uh, if they want to say it's because of his visibility okay or uh, was it that he was sick of the AIDS virus and they knew it already mm-hmm. uh, Lou Pom Pom was a millionaire at that point of time mm. alright and they knew that I was really consistent would keep fighting, no matter what, and I was healthy at that point of my life, and I had money at that point mm-hmm. i could I could sustain a case against me mm-hmm. at that point of time, but they chose Dave, and uh, i I basically told dave i 'm with you the whole
0: ride right I want, I want to clarify something right here, and i, I want it, I want this coming from my mouth and not yours, uh, just because i 've seen. And there's no other way to put it. I've seen crap on message boards uh, to say things like, oh, Billy Allen, you got all these guys with you now. You're going to abandon them. you just got more scapegoats like you did uh, to, to Dave Moorhead. And I want to be very clear on something and, and ask people to go read these court documents. whether well, you get them from Radio Free, Carry the Message, and Archives? If they're on Archives, I'm not sure if they're the archives there. Archives don't have them on. Okay, but I, I know the other two websites I mentioned do go read the, the 160 pages of the transcripts. And I, this is why I wanted it coming from my mouth and not Billy's, because when I read this, I'd already read the court transcripts, and I wanted to refresh my memory to be sure I remembered this right. Uh, this man sitting in before me now, uh, Billy sat in court and told the judge, told the WSC, the WSO lawyers uh, and, and uh, the people who were there from the WSO, that yes, he was still printing baby blues, and no, he was not going to stop unless his group conscience directed him to stop. There was no Billy disappearing uh, come-to-court date Grateful Dave fighting this alone. There was no, Billy told them directly in court. And if you want to go read the transcripts, that's not something we put out. That's not something WSO puts out. That's what actually happened in court that they trans, they recorded and transcribed. And I don't know if they had an audio recording, but I know that their transcriptionist at the very least recorded word for word what had happened. So go read that account before you believe. These are the same people that will tell you, Oh, Dave changed his mind before he died. My good friend, get grateful Dave Moreland and get the last name wrong, a lot of them. Uh, so, so I just want to say, go check the court. And I wanted that to come from my mouth, not Billy's, because I know he probably won't bring it up himself here. And uh, I wanted that coming from somebody besides him. That You're going to hear these slander campaigns. You're going to hear... Uh, a lot of things that that are basically assassinations of people's characters. In this case, go go check the court records when we're talking about that. But uh, while we're touching on that, I just wanted to bring that up—that whole group conscience thing. Uh, I do have a—it's a pointed question, but there are a lot of accounts um, that Dave wanted to be sued and that he wanted to take this burden on. And I don't know. I don't know if I've ever asked you if the if this is true. I know you and him were were very good friends, best friends, from from what I understand. Um, did did Dave intentionally, in some ways, make himself a target of, for for the WSO attorneys? Yes, Dave did. Dave wanted the suit. Okay. He he wanted a test
1: suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he wanted to bring this to an end. All right. The the and he knew he he was not going to be around for a long time. All right? He had full-blown AIDS. At that point of time in the fellowship, if anyone was around back then, AIDS was a real issue. Yeah. It was a scary situation, 87. Uh, I mean, you didn't know how you would get AIDS.
0: Yeah.
1: You didn't know if you hugged a person if you'd get AIDS.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
1: And Dave lived in my home, my children and stuff, and, and just the doubts. Yeah. You know, uh, and he and he said, "Bill, there's, I will be the I will be the point guy." Man. And uh, I defended. I helped Dave defend the case. Mm-hmm. I sat with him. I sat with him up on where where your where your uh, your attorney would sit. It was Dave and me sitting side by side up there. The judge allowed me to sit with my friend Dave at that seat. I didn't have to sit back in the stands. And uh, it was a per se attorney. In, in the first case mm-hmm. and we got a, uh, a volunteer attorney for the appeal mm-hmm. but the actual first case they defended himself with me as his sitting as as his assistant seat now, in that case
0: i know the answer is but what was the outcome of that first case
1: the outcome of that first case was the agreement mm-hmm. was the agreement basically and a lot of people misunderstand the agreement itself the, and why why would i say they misunderstand it because For the motion to be heard, for the motion to be heard, there's certain things that had to to happen. One was a third edition revised had to be sent to every home group. The second was that all the changes from the first, the second, the third, the third revised, the fourth, and to the fifth, every change was supposed to be sent back to every home group. And then the home groups were supposed to take a group tally and make a decision on what book they want. That was not supposed to be a regional service representative. It was not supposed to be trustees and all the committee chairs and board of directors voting.
0: So that's what WSO agreed to with Great Right. Today.
1: That's what they agreed to, that that's what they would
0: do. Now, obviously, they both settled out of court for a reason. I've heard this from you, so it's not like this new question. What did the judge get? What what was it that uh, I know at one point, I know throughout the, Dave says throughout the court case, he's willing to talk to WSO and settle this thing the right way. And at any point, Your Honor, we can settle this out of court. Um, Something finally motivated them to take that action. I know there are some things in the court case, in in the transcripts that the judge said, and, and maybe we don't get into them here because they can't be documented. I've talked to several people that have told me there were things that the judge said off the record that were fairly an uh, indictment of both parties, and that uh, we weren't going to like what he had to rule. Neither side was going to like the way he ruled. If he were, but he was ready to rule, um, and I know that gets misinterpreted. I'll hear the WSO backers say, "Oh, he was going to rule in our favor," and I hear you know our side people say, "Oh, he was going to rule against the WSO." The truth is, the judge had told us, from what I understand, that. Neither side's going to like the way I ruined this thing and it motivated both parties to come to an agreement. Is that part of the is that correct? I know some of these conversations I've had with you, but some have been with other people. So, being that you were there, I wanted you to kind of clarify that issue for us. And some of that is in the court transcripts. Were there things that the judge said? And I apologize to the listening audience if there were things the judge said off the record. There's no way we can prove this, but uh I, I'm going to give you the opportunity to address that if you would like to. Well, the judge has basically told
1: us that neither side of us is going to like the ruling that he's going to have to make. He will make it if he has to, but he'd rather see us settle it, uh, and neither one of us will like it.
0: Did he give any illusion as to what? Well, that the
1: illusion be. would be public domain.
0: We would have actually liked that. Correct?
1: Well, no, we were looking for what they call uh, limited. limited public domain. Is right. what we were looking for. What? L- what, what,
0: what? Just on the side. What? If this our, our basic text had gone public domain, do you feel like that would be a better situation than we have today?
1: Well, I believe it would, but the the problem that we were concerned about that no one could go in and change the consistency like they do with the Bible.
0: Right.
1: If you look at the Bible, okay, mm-hmm. and I don't like getting into other yeah, things. This is just an but, example. But it's, it, it's an right. example. Yeah. When you look at the Bible, you got the King James Version. Mm-hmm. And then you start having the – you have the Catholic version, you got the King James version, and then you got the newly uh, revised one. You mm-hmm. have so many different ones, and they lose content and meaning over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And that's why we were looking for limited public domain, that it would have gave anyone the right to print, distribute it at cost, not make profit, but they couldn't change content. Mm-hmm. And that was our concern that you couldn't change content. We did not want the fellowship's literature changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, by anyone that would put this book out. Mm-hmm. And we felt it would, if it was put out at cost factorization, that Hazleton wouldn't want to print it if they can't make a profit on it. We
2: <laughs> right. want
1: to take it out of that political arena.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, if they made it public domain, neither one of us wanted public domain. Right. The office wouldn't have had the funding process, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have been able to protect the, the consistency of
0: our, our literature, and that's what we were concerned about. Right. So naturally, a lot of people on the other side are going to say right away, "Well, you guys were changing the literature. Uh, why? Why would you know? What's the difference?" Um, and, and one thing I want to point out: we weren't. We literally, and I've been over and over this in other podcasts. We're talking about applying the revised headers to our original basic text. as the fellowship approved? It the only one that the fellowship ever approved the right way. Uh, I think we've. Uh, there's there's this Nas memo that we I recently did a podcast, that re, and you've seen it. We've talked about the memo where they go through and give this false history of when the fellowship approved what. And I, I did a podcast recently that will go online right before this one that, that refutes the first half of that memo, but I deferred to this podcast as far as refuting refuting the second half. I think we fairly well established it in that memo, when you're reading the, the most recent World Bird memo that came out, and they're saying, here's when the fellowship approved this. We're telling you where to go to find out how group conscience was subverted and read it with your own eyes in that regard right now. Um, but as, as far as us changing, we're talking about outside entities. We don't want a treatment center to be able to, at this point, modify our basic text to their ends. And, um, we're not talking about home groups being able to input the basic text uh, and here's what goes on in an open participation process. A home, a home group will input a piece of literature that's already written. They might even approve that as approved literature for their home group. They don't say this is the fellowship's approved literature, and, and then other groups get a hold of that. And, and our, our, we are saying our literature can change in that regard. We, we're we trying to protect this from outside entities. And as, as what I think World Services would agree at that point, um, at least the concern they presented to the fellowship, was trying to protect this literature from outside sources, but we're talking about not protecting the literature from the groups that should own it themselves. Is, is the difference? Is, is that correct? Or well, the, the groups of Narcotics Anonymous
1: and our belief own the literature right. of Narcotics Anonymous.
0: So we can change that if we want. To.
1: And that's up to the groups. Right. And the groups can utilize that in theirs. But when you're talking about, uh, you know, the changing of revised the revised headers. You're looking at what the trustees did without a group conscience, mm-hmm. okay, that the, the trustees changed the headers, all right, without input and review. Mm-hmm. And and hindsight's 20-20, but I use the example and the input that I gave to your home group that if you're going to look at something, look at the 12th step. Right. right. Where in your book, in, in the book that's out by the conference right now, mm-hmm. if you read the 12th step, it says, you know, having had a spiritual awakening as, as a result of these steps, mm-hmm. we practice these principles. in the old second edition is of practicing those steps right. and to these principles, principles. which is the connection, and that's in the third edition too. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the connection when you look at it as having had a spiritual awakening, a practicing those steps, talk about the previous 11 and a half steps. Mm-hmm. And the connection is we practice these principles as a connection to the traditions. I said, consider that. Yeah. When your home group goes over that, right? Uh, and I said, I also believe there's some changes that happen in the third edition revised from the little white book. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that little white book that were overlooked. Right. Uh, and it's the same mentality as what the conference said. It so it must be true. Well, the trustee said it, so it must be right. Right. Without us reviewing it. Yes. We approve. We didn't review. There's a difference when you're sitting in a a review and input and you're doing things line by line. You catch things that you wouldn't catch otherwise. And that's why when we did the fourth edition with the third edition revised, we caught things. Because we did line by line. We did flow reading like they wrote our basic text. And if you've ever been involved in a literature conference where you're flow reading, it's a fast read. And you Mm -hmm. jot stuff down. Then you come back. Mm -hmm. Okay? And you go back to it slowly. And that's what we did when we did the flow read from the third edition revised to the fourth edition. We, we, we flow read the fourth edition by someone uh, jotted in the third edition revised for the changes. And we marked things up in both books. Then we went back through it slowly, line by line, and then we caught every, all the changes. And then we got on the phone and we sent this out to everyone that we knew of, uh, of these changes. And we sent it to the World Service Office also. So they had our changes that we saw that they did. So they knew there was multiple changes that they did with, that did, were not pertinent to the motion. Right. And so we didn't do that with the little white book. Yeah. And we just went out for approval. And we were more concerned about the word sobriety <laughs> that Jimmy Kennan used. Yeah. The last return is emotional sobriety. We changed the to emotional mm-hmm. stability. We are more concerned about language than we were looking at all these other little changes that change content. And when your home group was looking at you're looking at the content that it changed. Yeah. And it ain't approved by the fellowship. It's approved by your home group only. Right. And other groups that want to look it over and review it, they can do that and approve that for their home group use. But it's not for a broader fellowship at this point right. in time. That would have to go back through the literature process to make them changes. Right. So your group is doing what's given and is right. Where well, we believe in them traditions, you don't decide and dictate to home groups. We're not deciding and dictating. You're not creating a whole new book that's going out to the fellowship at large or to the public at large. You're creating a book for your own home group. Mm-hmm. So you are well within your right,
0: and we really that's the process we we should be utilizing. I want to point something because a lot of I sometimes we'll be doing these podcasts, and and we've been around a little while, and and we we get used to a certain vernacular. I'm surprised how many people will email me who who've who got a few years clean and go what are you talking about what are headers because they're not used to even having a white book and I forget that people don't even know we had a white book at one point and what that was and so when we're talking about um, open participation versus just approval when we're talking about the white book being revised and the headers being revised in the basic text what Billy and I are referring to, the headers are the italicized portion of the basic text, uh, and they were they, we used to have just a white book. But when we're talking about approval versus open participation, the fellowship used to input the literature, and especially with regard to the basic text, when we revised the white book and got away from AA language, the fellowship let the trustees do that and then we did not input in review we just approved it it was a do you want to approve it it's much like what you have with your basic text today you can approve this or not but if you don't approve it you're not going to have a basic text and the fellowship We did approve it, and it wasn't a point of contention back then, and I think for a lot of people it's still not a point of contention, but it was do you want to have the old AA language or do you want to have the new stuff, and there wasn't a chance for the fellowship to go, oh, wait a minute, what happened to the line that says we have no leaders? Wait a minute, why why are group no longer capitalized? How come those got changed to these? Uh, and, and, And I like what you said about it. It's talking about those principles that we just learned in the steps and wrapping them into these these you know, practicing these same principles we just learned and wrapping that in with these traditions. Um but that was something that when you told me, I, I remember the phone conversation. What are you talking about? You're crazy. It's always said these. And I'd seen the old literature, and I had read these so many times in the new literature, I didn't even see it in front of my face when I read the old literature, and it said those. And, it, and it's it's that's how easy we overlook things. And, and I, yeah, there are so many things that were just little tiny. They seem like not big deal when they took them out of the white book, but when you have groups decapitalized so that it's it's no longer clear that group conscience is in a group proper, the home group, and now we're talking about a generic group of addicts, suddenly we've got these concepts that move group conscience into the service structure. You ask an addict who came in in the 90s, If group conscience can place in the service structure, most of them will tell you, of course it can. Why not? But you get an addict who actually had access to this earlier material and traditions that are not supposed to be negotiable, and they'll tell you group conscience happens in the group. That's why it's called group conscience. It's a home group. Um, Anyway, I'm kind of getting off track here. So we had this. (laughs) (laughs) You and I tend to do that sometimes. Uh, We had this. So we settled out of court, WSO agrees to do some things. At some point, they put together a committee, and I, I don't even know if this is, and I know I've read the, the settlement, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I can't remember, this committee that that uh, was to put together some sort of an agreement before they, they had any sort of future decision on who would hold literature in trust. It, it, eventually, in 93, they, they did do an FIPT that we're, we're told about all the time, but when i read the affidavits that you and jim and kathleen filed and it talks about this committee that happened and uh... you go to some of these websites you'll actually be able to hear recordings of of these phone meetings that happened um... tell us a little bit about that process what was supposed to happen what actually did happen and what the wso told the fellowship had happened as far as those meetings went uh... that that were this committee of of that were supposed to represent all viewpoints
2: well, there are,
1: there are transcripts first of all okay yeah of, of the, the actual phone conversations. Mm-hmm. There's transcripts. And it was a literature trust that we were supposed to work together with World Service, and World Service was supposed to work was with that us. that part of the court order? That was, uh, That's what the contempt was filed over. Okay. The contempt was actually filed over that, that uh, they dissolved the, the literature trust mm-hmm. is what they did. They dissolved us. And they also did not adhere to allowing the groups to vote on the basic text they wanted, and they did not send out the, the third edition revised. That's what the contempt charges were about. But uh, when they called for a call of peace, we were supposed to work together, and they were ordered to work with us. And we were working on the Lit Trust document. Uh, Jim was on that. I was on there. Bo Sewell was on there. Grateful Dave was on that, that, that committee. And then we added Billy Eason, and I'm not sure who else we added, but we added a couple other members. World Service had net on there. Uh, George Callahan uh Stu Tordeman was on there mm-hmm. all right they were on that there on them conference calls we met in Harrisburg the only time we met physically was in Harrisburg at Merlickna that would have been in February we met down there
0: what promise were you guys made there as far as the promises that they would not take any motions to the floor
1: uh they were not going to they said they would not they would they they would well even if you heard in the in the contempt thing Mm-hmm. Where it's, when the judge said this is the moot issue, then mm-hmm. okay, because they said they once they would not hear it, they would stop that on the conference floor. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, they're voting on all the motions
0: mm-hmm.
1: when the judge told them not to. Right. Uh, you know that they need to adhere to the agreement.
0: So when we talk about the second case, we're talking about the contempt. you are
1: talking point. about the contempt.
0: And the judge had ordered them not to hear these things on the conference
1: floor. Right. That they're supposed to stop the conference at that moment. And the, and the judge was appalled at what was going on because their attorneys didn't know what was going on in that conference. Or claimed not to. Yeah, they claimed they didn't know what was going on. They had talked to their clients the night before. So this but is they,
0: 1991.
1: That was, 90, was that 91 or 92 there with, was, it, with when the they, contempt? Uh,
0: um, now I may be a little confused. Let me... The, the the conference I'm thinking about is when they they put the motions to the the and I know this happened in '91, and you can again pull these up uh, on those different websites we mentioned the World Service Committee minutes those are available in '91. Uh, but they, they died in
1: '92.
0: Yeah, they took these things to the World Service Conference floor when they, when they actually voted on the motion to when they, when they decided they weren't going to take the group tally was that part of the contempt had yes. the contempt already been filed.
1: I don't know if the, the, no, the contempt had to be filed afterwards.
0: Oh, that's right. Okay, so they promised you guys that they would not take these things to the conference floor in '91, and then, and then uh, they went to the conference floor. They they opted not to do, do the group tally. That and, and their, I guess their reasoning was we only agreed to put these things in the conference agenda report. Right. Um, but they did not give the groups the voice that the court had ordered for the groups to have as far as a group tally on which text we were going to use. And and one of the options was not only to which previous version of the basic text do we want to use, but do we want to use our original basic text with revised headers, which is what the baby blue actually was. We would have had the option, am I correct, that that, uh, they could have said we want our original basic text with the revised headers on it as far as our original traditions, or was that not not uh, among the motions?
1: At that point, it was not among okay,
0: the motions. Okay, so that, that's not among the motions. Okay, I've probably given people misinformation. So
1: what, what was on the motion was the fellowship could have considered any of the books. Okay. Okay, they could have considered the second edition.
0: Could they have considered the baby blue,
1: though? Uh, the baby blue was not out for that purpose. It was, the, it was uh, the, the first, the second, the third, the third revised, the fourth, and the fifth edition.
0: Okay, so, so on the conference floor that year, there would there would have been no um, option to go back to to have the revised headers, but have the uh, the traditions they were originally written. There was no motion on the floor that we could have have uh, gone that to that year. wasn't
1: the motion. It was the, they were okay. supposed to make it. Well, I'm not about to reread the motion because why well, I'm saying I have to reread it because it it may have they could. Pick, uh, what book they want, or any part of any other book?
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Is that they could yeah. they that I I, I, that. when I read the corridor, I thought I said that they could Or the, right. the agreement um, that they could they could choose which basic text or which parts thereof they right. wanted right. to I'm use, sure. so they could have.
1: To re-read it.
0: And so, so um, yeah, and so uh, what we're telling we always tell people we document things, go back and double check this. That's the way we both remember it. Uh, Billy lived it. I just read about it, but. But, uh, you know, memories can, uh, we we don't like to rely on memory. We like to, to, so look at the court documents. I'm sure we'll both jump online (laughs) as soon as this is over. Yeah, and And reread it. I don't
1: have them before me at the moment.
0: So, so basically, they don't do what they agreed to. They, they, what I, what I read in the in the affidavits, and we've referred people. I know the affidavits are on originalna.org if you click on the baby blue section or oldschoolna.org, same website. And I know they're on some of those other websites. I just can't tell you which ones off the top of my head. But they had promised not to put certain motions before the fellowship, and instead they they did proposals to reaffirm that they are the ones who own the stuff, and then they. Reading those affidavits, they led the fellowship to believe that the conference that they had dissolved had signed off on all the things that they were put on the conference floor. I also know from reading the 1991 Minutes that they brought the WSO attorney to the conference floor and presented that attorney more or less as an attorney for the fellowship rather than for the corporate interests. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so then we have... But then you also
1: have to remember, the attorney they brought to the conference for was the attorney from California that worked for World Service Office. Right. The attorneys that actually fought the case for were from Philadelphia.
0: Okay, So, the, but this attorney they brought to the conference for, was that the one that sent out the cease and desist yeah. letters that they made it look the like? Letter. Yeah, Yeah. And, and cease and desist orders can only come from a court, so they they, they sent them out to a lot of trusted servants. Uh, had their, their, violate, their anonymity violated by just receiving these letters and having their first and last name put out there, but but they, they were told. And there's a, a letter by Grateful Dave that's out there on the internet as well, where he talks about court's order cease and desist. Attorneys do not, and they and they d- fooled a lot of these people into thinking they were under a cease and desist order. So this is the same attorney they bring to the conference floor then in right, '91, yeah. and and uh, we've talked on this other podcast about uh, Greg P forcing a roll call vote so that it was on record who was willing to send this back to the fellowship and who wasn't. And uh, you can see very clearly that the man who wrote our service structure was very much in favor of sending these things back to the fellowship. One thing I wanted to ask you, and this this may be a tough question, and it's a plan, is one I honestly don't know the answer to. Do you know how Greg P felt about the Baby Blue as a book? Was he a supporter? Was he against it? Was he uh, undecided, um, do you, or do you even know what his opinions were on that the particular that volume, the Baby Blue pre-court? I know after the court case, he wanted the fellowship to be able to decide. Do you know how Greg felt about that particular book, you know, to begin with?
1: Well, let's just say you had a couple cases of the Baby Blues.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Enough said, my brother. Enough said. I did not know that. That was something I was when I was doing my podcast the other night. I, I tend to ramble, as people know, and I, I got pontificating on some things. And I went, "We're gonna have." I said it right on the podcast. We're gonna have to ask Billy when we have him on again what he knows, because I was pointing out people in our history that WSO does or, or Nas doesn't refer to people because. These people don't agree with what Nas is doing, or would not have. Let me
1: just correct a few things, okay? Okay, yeah. And
0: what I want to correct, okay? When
1: Greg was not visible, even though he had baby blues, he had a couple of cases of them. Vito mm-hmm. had ba- baby blues, mm-hmm. but was not visible in our efforts. You have to realize that Big Lou's car ended up in in Biscayne Bay, and you hear. If you hear the, the banquet speaker, at, was that in Washington state then? Or Oregon? I'm, I think it was Washington.
0: I know, I know, I know you're talking, I don't know which convention, but I know the convention. It was you're... in the West
1: Coast, the World Convention. Mm-hmm. He yeah, spoke I from know. the podium while Lou sat out, out there calling him and ridiculing him and telling him they should put his car in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And they put his brand new uh, car in the ocean in Biscayne Bay. That was, you know, that's how they treated Big Lou, mm-hmm. you know, with physical violence. I was assaulted a few times, physical violence, the Philadelphia Regional Convention for it. I got attacked at at a at a meeting, walking in to share an eleventh step in Staten Island, New York by Tony. All right, who's dead, so I'll use his full name. Physically attacked me, threw me up against the wall, you know, uh, over these issues. We we were assaulted, we were physically attacked, we were humiliated for, for taking a stand. That we're not going to follow a conference just because a conference says so. That we are for the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous and group conscience. And When conscience is violated, it doesn't mean we go away.
0: It's interesting you brought that up. I actually, I don't think I've ever told you about this. I'm, I'm pulling up my notes. I got an email a little while back, and as people heard that we we're going to be doing this episode, uh, there's been a lot of interest and people really looking forward to it. Um, And I got, somebody sent me an email. This guy started asking questions about were people harassed back in the day? Were there any acts of physical violence? And I'm not trying to imply that that is happening now. I I want to be very clear. I was kind of going, how do I bring this up on the podcast without making it look like I'm trying to incite something and ask you those questions? Because I had heard some of the same rumors. I'd, I'd, I'd heard about the car incident and i think he might have actually specifically asked about cars ending up in in rivers and things like that if i remember right but uh it it is kind of interesting that you brought that up because it was it was one of those things that i've been sitting here in my mind going how do i ask him about this <laughs> you know by the end of this podcast and uh and then you talked about it um so and this is so we're talking about big lou um is the one who has his car end up in the in the bay yeah okay and uh and he's Big Lou is no longer with us anymore.
1: Right.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. OD'd
1: in the, in the San Diego airport.
0: Okay. Uh, Big Lou OD'd in the San Diego airport.
1: Uh, you know, he went back out. And he couldn't handle the pressure. You know, uh, Dave died of AIDS. I went into seclusion for a few years. I started working on on group conscience. I, I didn't go outside my home group. And then we start communicating with other home groups, and we start doing pure traditionalist gatherings that we were hosting in West Virginia, and then we've come out with the New Awakening newsletter, which you can find to search first six issues on Radio Free 4 now, and if you review them, you can see the same things are happening today in that same mentality. Uh, World Service is back on their thing like they just found out about the baby blue when they didn't just find out. They've known every year. Well, I send a letter to them every year to, George- to I call up Anthony and ask him when they want to get this thing over with. When are they going to sue us? You know, we would never stopped printing the baby blue since the fall of 87. We've been printing the basic tax, our home group. It's never been stopped. So it's been going on since 87, and we're in 2014, venturing into 2015. So the book has been consistently printed since then. It's never been stopped. And, and they know about that the whole time. The, the only reason it's alarming now is because it's starting start to pop up all over the country. Mm-hmm. England, it's never been stopped in England since they started it in, in, in the early 90s. They've been printing it consistently ever since. Mm-hmm. They never stopped it. And in, in the, two, in the, two, uh, the two groups that are over there, they have about six, seven meetings a week there. You know, it's an area between two cities. You know, and, uh, and if you go on our website, you can find our webpage on our meeting lists that we put up. You want know, right. nahelp.org. You hit that there, and it takes you, and it comes up with the links, and then you to the Anonymous Foundation, which takes you directly to to our website. Right. And it's in there when you hit the meeting list, the printable meeting list. It has their web page on there. You hit the web page, and it takes you to the English web page. So, and they they've been doing it ever since. Uh, they came over in 1991, so they've been doing it since 1990, basically. They haven't stopped. You know at, uh and physical violence did happen. I got punched right in the face down in Philadelphia Regional Convention. Walking in the hallway, a guy yells to me. I turn around, bam, I'm hit in the face. You know, like I said, I got, I got thrown up against the wall in Staten Island when I'm going to speak on the 11th step. Mm-hmm. And my sponsee, then John, John, John C., mm-hmm. and my other sponsee, Brian H., from Philly, stepped in front of me and says, hey, just go down to bill. We'll take care of this issue. You know, was I angry? Was I upset? Yes. They violated my, my my ability to be a narcotics anonymous member. That I was in the convention circuit before that speaking, I was never asked to speak in conventions again after that. That was removed from me. Yeah, uh, let me finish oh, one yeah, thing.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. And
1: George Holohan, after the court agreement, after the appeal was over, George Holohan sent a letter to the churches in our area, which was the group conscience area. Then we had seven meetings, and he sent a, a letter from World Service Office in the Little Apple area telling our churches we were not Narcotics Anonymous and we should be removed from their facilities. I had to go to each church and talk with each pastor and each board to keep our meetings there. I had to take in our book and explain to them that we are Narcotics Anonymous. And they understood. They said they had the same problem
0: in their church uh, regions like that. Um, One thing I I always just kind of assume that people know, and and we need to address this because it's one of the things that was put out back in the day, and that... uh, It occurred to me as we're talking that just because I've done some research and have knowledge of these things doesn't mean that everybody does. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to seem like an insult. How much money did you make off the baby blue? Zero. We make no money. And that's what I wanted to point out. The people, As Billy was talking about the things they went through, the ridicule, ridicule, knowing up front that they were going to be isolated and ostracized, I'm not sure everybody knew the physical violence that was going to occur. And I'll say allegedly, I believe what you're saying, brother, because I know who you are, but some things we can prove, some things we can't. So the alleged physical violence um, that, that that was going to occur, we probably a lot of people didn't realize that, but people knew they were going to be ostracized. People knew... So, and when these things did start to happen, you got stuck by your guns, and and I just want to make very clear there is no other reason, whether you believe these gentlemen were right, and the, and these ladies who were involved as well, they were right, wrong, or indifferent. There was no motivation for money, property, power, prestige. They knew the prestige and power were not going to happen. They knew they were going to be marginalized and ostracized. There was no money to be made. And, and the reason I, I thought, I remember an old-timer in my area who had just gotten his information from the NA way telling us about these guys who changed our basic text and tried to make it a profit on it. And he had faulty information. But I just wanted to point out to those who are out there listening that this was not there was no other motive than to do what these people thought was right, even if you believe that what we're doing today and what was done back then is wrong uh, that the motives of these people had nothing to do with anything than, than doing what was right so if you're one of those people who's sitting on the fence and we we reviewed the indirect way that people are paid who are in world service today as far as the expense accounts and and between the the training and and uh, uh, and flying people around the world the half million dollars a year that's spent um, on people who are in service at the world level um, without them quote-unquote getting paychecks and there's no motivation on our side to protect any sort of I know that there are certain meetings that if I go in and say I'm Chubbs the addict I'm not going to be welcome there most likely now We know these things are going to happen. There's no motivation on our side for anything other than to give the fellowship back the literature that we are all inheritors of. I was not there when most of this stuff, when almost none of this stuff was written. I'm an inheritor of debt as a member of Narcotics Anonymous, and, and we all have a right to this literature. We're the owners of it. It's not a corporation. And, and the groups that existed back then, had this even been done the right way and it wasn't, do not have the authority to give up ownership of your literature for the future groups that were going to exist one day. I just went off on a little tangent there. Is there anything that I just said that you disagree with there?
1: Well, I want to say some things first okay. of all, okay? Yeah, yeah. Because when, when you talk about money, profit... Okay, uh, And I don't care who you are, try to get the, the price of a baby blue at a print shop right now and ask them what it's going to cost to print. Mm-hmm. And we we tried that. You're not going to find a book being printed for $1.20 and plus free shipping if you get 100 books. All right? And that's what our printer does for us. Mm-hmm. If you go in there, the cheapest possible printing you can get is $0.03 cents a page right now. And that's negotiate. Mm-hmm. All right? All uh, right. With coupons and stuff, I lower it down to where it's $1.20 a book. But you add up $0.03 cents a page, comes out to 46 times 3 is what?
0: Oh, nearly $1. fifty.
1: Okay, Plus $0.10 cents for the cover. Yeah. Plus $0.35, 35 cents for the stapling and uh, trim work. That's what it costs, the, the overall cost of the book. Mm-hmm. If, they, if I had to pay exactly what, they're, what they give you. And that's printing 550 books to get that price. Mm-hmm. All right, that's 550 books to get that price. I'm getting it down to where we're paying a buck twenty a book instead. All right, through years of experience with this, this printer, where I did all my, my printing for my wrestling business, mm-hmm. I've offered them so much business over the years. So when I went in and talked to them, said, "These are what I want to do. Can you can you meet this price? Because I I cannot have the book." first was a dollar 10 and then they rose at 10 cents on me yeah. cuz they made a mistake so I, I had to go back and i said okay well, we won't accept that but i you got to give me uh, you know at least two months to let everyone know mm-hmm. so the next printing i needed at a dollar 10 yet and they did that for us you know and, and then i let everyone know it's a dollar 20 a book now mm-hmm. you know and and the reason we can do that because we're accumulating money from letting groups take all their money pull it together and go through one printer is why we can ke- get it out that right. You got to remember the book was being put out for a dollar a book and grateful Dave. But if you look at the page, we had 101 pages. Yeah. We retypeset it and got it down to where we're using 46 pages
0: instead. Well, instead yeah.
1: Right. But what we 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 retypeset and got rid of a lot of the blank pages that were in the book, half pages and stuff, right. is what we did. But it's still the same book. There's nothing changed from the book when we retypeset it we made it We made it into a smaller version, okay, because we get rid of all wasted pages and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and re-type set it from the old typeset, yeah. okay from the original typeset that they did the basic text back in the eighties from mm. they weren't using computers and stuff like that right, right. to get you know that stuff they were using print plates and things like that yeah. well now they 're not you you don't have to use print plates plates you know you can use uh they got these high level machines now that can just copy it and, and put an imprint in now mm-hmm. to, to do it so there's no money to be made on it if you're doing it what we're doing mm-hmm. you know and um uh, and 100 books and get free shipping is unheard of mm-hmm. especially when we're shipping them all over the place and everyone that gets 100 books is getting free shipping mm-hmm. i don't know how they're doing it i'll be honest with you i don't know how they're doing all the free shipping but that's the deal they made me right so there's no money to be made, and even when Dave was doing it, you got to remember he's getting them printed in West Virginia. He was driving to pick them up, bring them back. He was driving them up and down the East Coast. He ended up in California, flew to California, all right, took books to California. How are you making money on a dollar a book?
0: And, and you're not, right, I always say, when other home groups order through you, those home groups are paying the $1.20 a book, but when we're... When these are being distributed to addicts in meetings, these are going out 100 percent free, correct? These home groups who are ordering these books are giving them to addicts for free. Uh, And when we're talking, I I addressed this on a podcast the other night, and you haven't heard this podcast, and we haven't talked about it, Um, but there are so many home groups who come to your home group now to get the Baby Blues printed. Um, Is there a coordinated outreach effort that got that many people there? the only outreach we did, we went to the World
1: Convention last year. Mm-hmm. And we took baby blues there, we handed them outside of the van, we gave them information, and that was the end of it. Wow. And people start contacting us. I never knew you. Right. Somehow you ended up, uh, Someone or one of us called each another somehow. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: All right? And we start talking. Mm-hmm. I never met you, I never met these guys in Texas that are involved. I never had met the guys in Oklahoma. And that I, we just got an order from Wyoming. I don't know this guy from anywhere. We got an order from Minnesota. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guys from Utah. Never met them. I don't know who they are. But they're getting my phone number because people are passing my number out. Know, and they're contacting me, and I refer everything to my home group. I give them the address, you know, uh, historic perspective, the old box, 404-04, uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, 18105. I mean, and tell me, write the check to that group. They'll take care of it for you. Yeah. You know, and they go make the order at the printers, and they have a few different printers they can utilize from my businesses that I, I did with these printers before. You know, and uh, it's it's uh, they're they're competitive with one another. So if I have to switch printers, I can I can switch printers. You know, but uh, the real deal is that I don't know these people. You know, and there's no outreach effort. The book is taking on its own life now.
0: Traction rather
1: than yeah, because I felt the same way that would happen, that Nausea corporate would shoot itself in the foot with the more of the takeover of the fellowship and, and the stifling the fellowship's voice, stifling the fellowship from being able to get involved, forcing this sheer service structure down the fellowship's throat that the fellowship doesn't want, and they've been voiced it wherever they go. I mean, Merlickna, two years ago they were there, and they were from the podium telling the fellowship, and they're doing it right now. They're going to take America down to 13 votes. And they were telling us then two years ago, this is going to happen in just when, folks. There's nothing you can do about it. And they said it from the podium.
0: And where, where was this at? Merlicna.
1: That's in Her- in uh, Lancaster, PA. It's, 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 it's the Merlickna, uh Convexerence, they call it. I created the Convention, so I know the name. It's Convention, It's the proper name. Yeah. I combined, I I was the chair of the first four conferences for the Mid-Atlantic region. Mm -hmm. And then the region ran the conference, the agenda report. Now the World Service runs it. Mm. All right? So who who gets to the mic is who they want at the mic. And if you voice your opinion, they stifle you. They don't allow you. I mean, for me to get back on the floor, I just had to walk up and tell you how I'm going to talk. Whether you like it or not, I can talk. I don't need a mic. Mm. You know? But this is what they're telling you. They're telling you you're going to take you down, and really they want to get you to one vote for the United States of America. Now they just revealed in St. Louis they want to be at 13 votes. They get to the 13 votes, then they get the five votes next, the zonals. And then once they get to that, then they go to one vote. And that's the process. We've got to make the conference smaller. We, can't, we don't have the – who are you telling – that you don't have space. You can rent conference rooms that can sit 10,000 people. You can have 10,000 reps there. That's not the issue. You can set up computers there. They can just punch their boats in. Folks, this is not an issue. But that's what they're doing. And, and when you take their boats down and you get America down to one vote, count the votes in the world and then count their board. All right? Now, when you limit, you get America even down to 13, what's the rest of the world? So how do you ever get a two-thirds to set policy or change policy? How do you change policy when the fellowship will not have a two-thirds vote
0: even to change policy?
1: And that's where they're headed.
0: A lot of people get this misconception, and for some people I guess it is an issue of America versus the world. When we're talking about the U.S. votes being diminished, we're talking about – nothing more than where most of the fellowship is and where the groups who are being represented are. It's not about the United States against the rest of the world. It's about we already have a system whereby group conscience is not heard, whereby we have home groups that are in regions that are not seated. I've addressed in this show that we should be carrying, a, in my opinion only, a direct group vote, not you know, here's how our groups voted, not here's how the region votes to begin with, but as we diminish this, what, what uh, Billy's talking about here is we get down to a point where if the corporation wants something and the fellowship does not there is no, number one, there's no two-thirds majority to ever take your literature back. They're already acting as trustor and trustee. They've already got things in place whereby only the World Board can make motions. When you, It's interesting to me that there are so many quote-unquote concerns over seating on the conference floor, yet not one world member is willing, World Board member is willing to give up their vote And again, we've addressed this before. They have a vote in their home groups, and they have a vote on the world floor that has the same impact as an entire region. How is that in balance with our spiritual principles and group conscience and the home groups' votes actually meaning something when when one member who's been groomed to be on the world board? And I know that sounds harsh, but it's just the way it is. If you don't believe me, make a personal goal to get on the world board and spend the next few years adjusting your politics and and getting in with the right people and then once you do get selected I mean elected to that board you have to go through a corporate training and I don't know what that entails but I know it's in their budget they talk about training the world board members why do we have a corporation training our members Uh, and again we're kind of off on some things we talked about in some other podcasts I feel like we've kind of sufficiently covered the the baby blue history and we've given people where they can go to a lot of people I, I I know don't want to go and do this research and read. All I'm asking you folks is, if you're going to form an opinion, please go look at the documents we're referring you to. And I'm not I'm talking about if you've decided, hey, these guys are right, I agree with them, I want to join this fight. Don't join this fight until you go read those documents, because we want an informed fellowship. We want the fellowship to decide. We don't want to convince you of our point of view. We want you to have the truth. And I want you to go look at those documents and decide for yourself. I want you to be able to to say to somebody when they tell you you've been brainwashed. No, I did the research. No, I read the documents. Uh, you know, we, I, it's not that we don't want people on our. I want as many people as we can, but we have always wanted an informed fellowship. We've always wanted people who've made these decisions, and we we give out to places where you can and go verify this history for a reason. But I, I guess before we wrap up, is there anything that we've missed out, uh, that we've missed uh, that's fresh in your mind? And I, I guess we could always come back if we remember something later or we listen to this and there's a part of the history we missed and go, wow, how did we miss that? Or somebody asks a, a really insightful question and we can always revisit this. But is there anything you'd like to say in, in closing or anything that you'd like to bring up that we've missed? Um, Basically, or anything that you want to leave the fellowship with or the people who happen to be listening to this.
1: Uh, the first thing I'll tell you is do not believe me. All right? Awesome. I will tell you to check check out every fact that I talk about. And if if you find facts that I'm incorrect about, get back with Chubb and not there. Also ask questions that Chubbs can go back over with me with. All right? Uh, I, And if you're going to be part of this year... I want you to understand that it's you are gonna be isolated, you're gonna be marginalized. Are you prepared for that? Is your recovery strong enough? I ask everyone that. I ask Chubbs that. I ask anyone that's getting baby blues, are you prepared for the backlash? Because it's gonna come. Are you yeah, and that's something you have to understand when you decide that you're gonna be part of group conscience at the uh, he brought up about, oh, the rest of the world against U.S., U.S. against the rest of the world. Well, if you go through history, you're going to find out it was one time California against the world. And then you'll find out it became the West Coast against the East Coast. It's used as a fear tactic. right? Okay? And we need to be aware of that there. It's not, it was not East Coast against West Coast. It was the philosophy of group conscience versus, uh, you know, going to the conference and just voting what you felt. It was the, the RSR-only voting participant versus the conference chairs, board of trustees, board of directors having that power, like Chubbs talked about, having the same power as a total region, as one vote. It's, it's the philosophy of group tally that Chubbs was talking about. Group tally, every group matters. I mean, even the, the, the liquid fellowship, the change your literature, has to be group tally and has to be a two-third. I think it's a two-third vote. What it is, I know or it could true. be a three quarter, something like that there, but I'm pretty i sh- am I'm 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 you'd have to check on that, but I'm I'm I, I believe it's a two third vote to change literature there. That's why you don't have multiple editions of their book. The very few sometimes they'll change the story or something. But the content of their book is not changing. You know, ours changes and why? Why is the manipulation the con? Study history. Learn from your history. Do not put your history underneath your carpet. You know. it's to be talked about we're supposed to learn from it and we're supposed to experience it and i'm just asking you check me out check the facts find out if they're true and then find out what you can believe in first and don't stand for principle stand on the principle and that's what i got closed
0: with is standing on the principle Beautiful. I, I appreciate your time. I know a lot of people do because there's have been there been a lot of uh, anticipation, and not just before we did this podcast, but once we had the technical issues and, and said, hey, the other parts of this interview are coming, man, there has been a lot of people, when are you going to interview Billy A? When's it going to be done? And uh, I'm glad we got to sit down in person. It, it's weird because it feels like we know each other so well, and we just met face-to-face for the first time the other day. Um, And that's how little of a coordinated effort there is. Billy and I have never met each other in person uh, uh, before sitting down just yesterday, I believe. Um, And, uh, you know, like like we were saying before, there's so little coordinated. I know when we give out, here's the websites or here's where you can go if you want Baby Blues, that's probably the most promotion we've ever done, if you want to call that promotion. But we keep in mind, we also followed that up with, please don't get involved with this unless you're pre- ready to be ostracized we we actually kind of try and turn people away from this be- because your personal recovery is far more important than being involved in this and this is a big issue and, and our common welfare does come first but you're not part of that common welfare if you're out there relapsing and and there was a time I couldn't participate in this because i my program couldn't handle it there was a lot of years that i wished i could stand up for some things and and I knew that I would not be able to handle the stress and the pressure. And, and, uh, you know, and just for today, I feel like I can. And if I ever feel like I can, I will put my personal program first and, and, uh, do what I got to do. I do want to thank mm-hmm. Billy for being here with us. What he said was so, um, profound the way. We ended it there. Um, we want to thank him for being here with us. Uh, and you know, there's uh thank you guys for listening to autonomous unity on the service with autonomy network. And, uh, if anybody wants to figure out uh, what the, the the initials in that acronym are and, and what it's the reverse of, feel free to because it's kind of a little joke. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking with Billy Moore. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll see you all soon on the next podcast.
1: My job is to come up here and share an accurate part of history. How many historians are in this room? Got a historian there, too? He's not in here, huh? But uh, there's a reason you come here, right? I hope so. You want to hear about history? (coughs) Either lived it, or you're going to learn about it. That's the way it works. Either an active part of it, or you're going to learn about it, and you can be part of the the new history that's going to be created in life. Uh, Had some. Want to thank uh, John when he shared, and you know George when he shared, and. uh, last two speakers we had, Guido and uh, Bonnie, my mind's flipping toward me, it has nothing to do with age, it has to do with, uh, I got so much in my mind, and so much to cover in a little piece of time. I'm supposed to cover the court case, alright, but they're set up to the court case. You're hearing it, you hear uh, George talking about this writing a basic text, where you can take anybody there that you want to take there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right? I can walk in the meeting, he's a brand new person, I can let him know I'm going to World Lit Conference, come on with me. And like George said, don't worry about the money, just show up. And you were taken care of. He's I mean, talking about Ivy Ivyland, PF Farmhouse. Jim hosted went out in Ohio, you know, the fifth World Lit Conference, right? The fifth? Yeah. Okay, where they did the, what, first four chapters? of The basic text. Uh, basically almost unaltered. Uh, today yet. But, uh... You take that person with you and they can participate in this thing called writing of a book. That's what they're talking about. A thing that we call writing of a basic text. You heard John talk about it. Sitting in a meeting and they wrote a a step that's in the book. I mean, how much exciting time is that? You want to be brought into Narcotics Anonymous and you have a guy like Bo looking at you and telling you, it's God's destiny for you. And you just go and do it. I was, a young, I, I was young in recovery when all this stuff was going on, and uh, they talk about the, the AA influence over Narcotics Anonymous originally. Talk about AA members starting an A for us to get rid of us in their room so we could go talk about drugs in another room. <coughs> That's what you're hearing about here. You're hearing about changing their book and writing in it, removing Jack Daniels or whatever else they had in their Jim Beam, and, and putting your drug of choice in because we're about drugs of choice at that moment yet. Uh, and you hear about the man named Jimmy who ch- uh, that changed a word from a substance to addiction. And the key of that one little word and what it changed. One word is, is that important, whatever we're doing. When we're talking about our literature in print. And that's what this has mostly been about so far is our literature in print, how it came about, how we carried the message. It's talking about a region that was Larger than any other region in the world at one time, and people don't understand, it went from the uh, far northern, eastern part of North Carolina, actually, to Mid-Atlantic, and it went to Maine. To the tip of Maine, to Canada, almost, that region went. It took you over 16 hours to drive that whole region. There was no region that large in the whole country that formulated other regions. And it started out of writing of a book. That's what founded people together, was writing of our literature, and then the East Coast Convention. The first East Coast that Guido shared about, he's the chairman. You had the second East Coast chair here, George. You had the third East Coast (coughs) Convention chair that will be speaking next, right? And you had the fourth East Coast chair right now speaking to you. And why? Because of writing of a piece of literature, we lost them. I, and and I, I just got to touch on this here because we've lost a member this year that was so important and dear to all of us. Yeah. His name was Joe Proctor, my sponsor. This is the great book that yep. was Joe's. Cherished. This piece of literature they keep talking about here, it's this book. It's a great book. It's called Narcotics Anonymous. It's the book that we got to replace all the other books that we had in our rooms and put in our table and said this is our this is our identity. And why am I going over this here? and to get to the court case because everyone thinks the court case is about printing of a book. Yeah, that's what it came about. But it was not about printing of the book. Why do you get to the point where you're going to print a book? You don't feel you're being heard. You don't feel the conscience that wrote this book as is, is any longer being heard is why you why you go to that level John shared it in a policy committee being divided he listened to John when he shared he talked about he was in the center of it he had the one clan on this side and the other clan on that side the one clan was the corporate world and the other clan was the group conscience world then he was trying to mend that and they come out with the twigs that never ever became the real accepted. Uh, service manager and wasn't going to become because that's not what they wanted for
0: us rejected at 84 yeah
1: it was rejected it was never and it stayed temporary temporary yeah. temporary what this is all leading up to where we ended up where my friend and I'm going to be talking about my friend my, my dearest friend okay uh, Dave Moorhead who was my friend lived in my home. Uh, I was going through something, I have it, I don't know if I brought it down or if it's up in the room, but it has his address on it. And it's in that address, I, I think I left it up in the room, there's a service guide, service guide manuals. And in there his address was 3546 Linden Street, Allentown, Pennsylvania, which was my home. That was his address. 3546 Linden Street was turned to 3546 Broadway. I joke people, I said, that they couldn't get me to go to Broadway, they said they brought Broadway to me. <laughs>
2: you
1: know, but Dave was in my home, and Dave and I were talked about a lot of things. He joined a public information committee. Why do I say that? Because the last open test committee of narcotics anonymous at the World Service level. ADA, P. He joined that committee, and we put a census out to all groups. And the groups, it was sent from their RSRs to their, G- their ASRs to their GSRs, to the groups, and they sent that back to us, the input. We wrote a guide to public information that the group's inputted, the group's reviewed, just like the basic text was done, and we come out with a public information guide that was accepted by the fellowship. Dave was looking for a place to get involved. As the committee structure shut down, Dave went and found the next committee that he could get into with public information. He tried to participate in literature, he tried to participate, because he heard these stories that other people were telling about the book and wanted to be involved in that. And this thing is spiritual. When someone talks about compassion, every one of your speakers talked about compassion here. They talked about compassion. John talked about the compassion. He talked about the area of service in Philadelphia where all of a sudden someone turned around and hit someone in the head. That was not an uncommon practice. <laughs> that was not an uncommon practice for me to pick a chair and throw it across the room. And no one arrested anyone. We quieted it down and get it back together again. But it was compassion that people felt and the love of this fellowship and the love to want to carry a message of hope, promise of freedom that set up the stage for the court case. And it's, it's probably one of the most difficult things to talk about a court case. Anyone ever been drugged into a federal
2: courthouse?
1: I mean, seriously, you've been drugged. I mean, a lot of us have been to courthouses for criminal activity that we participated in. So you know what it is to sit up there in the, on the stand, and you know you're, you're, you're going to fight this thing, and and usually we were guilty in fighting them. All right, but to be sitting. Understand, and to and to have a judge overseeing an issue of Narcotics Anonymous in a litigation brought upon you by the World Service Office, and for printing a book. And if everyone was around back then, and they were a trusted servant, they they, they probably received a letter and says cease and desist printing of this book. Anyone that was around that was anyone in service got this letter. Around the country, an alarm went off in the fellowship. Witch hunts started happening. People started... I mean, a man named uh, Big Lou, dear friend of mine. Uh, his car ended up in Viscount Bay by NA members. Because he had these books in his trunk. They put his car in the ocean. Two days old car that he had. I don't know how long he owned it, but it was a new one. Put it in the ocean. A guy from the podium of the World Convention pointed him out in the convention. In his speech, Lou ended up dying in a San Diego airport in a phone book with a needle in his arm. He was a he's the guy that printed this book. There's only a hundred of these this this copy. It won't end up in someone's archives except mine. If, if you don't have one, you won't get one of this one. This is, Lou gave me that personally. and uh, So I want to set the stage for this here. Everyone thinks that you know this man, this madman named Dave Moorhead was out there doing these things, trying to destroy the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. Dave was a per- personal friend of mine. The first book was printed, was a, one like this. It's called The Yellow Plain Wrapper. Okay? Printed in my home group for College Anonymous 1988 because they wouldn't give us her, because they, they changed our book. They changed our basic text. They changed our book and gave us a fourth edition without ever sending it back to the fellowship. And they had a, a, a paid writer write this thing, edit it, and send it back to us. Didn't send it back to us. Instead, we got it. Hazleton got a load of them first. He's talking about Hazleton, the brokers. The deal was brokered with Hazleton to put up the money for the printing first, and then they got theirs at a discount.
0: 40,000 they got. It Our home 40. group
1: went and printed these these books. We printed them. And we were and the fellowship was up in the alarm. We got to the World Service Conference that year. And there was a lit conference on the conference floor. Never heard of it before. Your trusted servants had a lit conference on the conference floor. The the Bob got up there and he started talking about we missed 25 lines, and we're going to reinsert them in the book, and, and, and explain that we can't go back to the third edition revised because Hazelton can sue us. And why? Contractual agreements with Hazelton, and they could sue us for breach of contract with them now, because they were influenced. He talked about the influence Hazelton had with Bob Stone on that they're going to write their own book if we don't edit our own, and that's true. It's in Bob's book. It's
2: right here in Alleran's words.
1: It's in Halloran's words. George's report that these things are going to happen if you go back to that 3rd edition revised basic text. So the conference elected to give us the 5th edition in 1988. Remember that. 88, they elected to give us the 5th edition. We Then we went back in 89 to try to get it repealed and have the 3rd edition revised brought back. And they didn't allow it to be heard in the conference floor. And then Big Lou and Grateful Dave hopped on the plane and flew to Allentown, Pennsylvania with me and came home with me. And they stayed for our group conscience and we made the decision to print the third edition revised basic text ourselves. And they, went, we, we went over different covers we we're going to use, alright, plain cover, um, this cover, this cover, and this cover. All right? And in the first one was printed with just a third edition revised basic text. It wasn't the fourth and ninth tradition in there, the original. And then we conscious through our groups, the three groups that were involved in it, to replace the fourth and ninth and restore everything that we felt was not ever group conscience back into the book. And that's how the book came about. And then we elected for Dave to get a printer because he could find the cheapest place for us to print books and it would come out to about a dollar a book. After sending them to West Virginia, West Virginia was printing them for 67 cents at the printer, so they got and the shipping costs and then sent it to the groups, came to about a dollar a book. So Dave went around the country with cases and let people either get them for free or a dollar a book if they wanted books. Nothing above cost. Cost to re- so we could go get another order. Because we had to print 3,000 books for that cost. And that's how it happened. That's as simple as it was. And then the cease and desist orders went out. And uh, through the cease and desist the orders, uh, they, they its in here, one of these things here, oh, right here it is, where they took Dave back out to the World Service office and tried to get him to stop printing the books. It's in here. It's in print. Everything I talk about... There has to be some backing in print, and here it's in print. It talks about the meetings that they had, the board meetings they had with Dave, and Dave refused. Because he was bound by group conscience. He couldn't make a decision for group conscience. And uh, he refused to stop printing the book. And then the court order came down to take him to court. And then the federal court suit started, which I got involved with Dave in the planning, the implication of defending himself in federal court. And, uh, you know, it, it's very difficult when you're dealing with stuff like this because now you've got to go sit in the courthouse. You've got to be ready. I uh, told Dave if you're going to defend it, we're defending it under the traditions of Narcotics Anonymous. The traditions are our guidelines. It's, it's not, you're not an individual, and the groups will support you that are involved in it, and we will testify on your behalf that it's not your group doing these things. And uh, we're going to look for something called Limited Public Domain, which is an article we wrote in in the New Awakening newsletter. And uh, we want the open Participation returned as an article on open Participation and what it is and how it operates. And uh, we, we want the corrective measures taken in Narcotics Anonymous. And John was talking about that divided committee. All right? We're going through a divided time. And he's talking about my friend Larry. Larry was, Larry was my service uh, mentor. Mentor. Joe was my step guy. You know, he's the guy that led me through the steps. Larry was teaching me a service and being responsible to the group. And Larry had a big influence over the Mid Atlantic. Uh, and it's always difficult when you're going through these times and trying to do what's right for for the, the groups. And, and John will tell you. When I was on conference floor, I did not deviate from the Mid-Atlantic Region Conscience. It didn't matter. I was sent by the Region with a job to do, and I I did the job that they sent me there to do. And uh, my opinion is of no essence when it comes to the Regional Conscience. And I'm a believer in group conscience. I'm a believer in that. And then you've got the the World Service telling you expediency and all these other things that got to happen for business purposes. And there's a conflict between business purposes and spirituality. And they're always going to conflict. They're always going to conflict unless you get together and really look for guidance from God and look for guidance through the group. And, uh, you know, Greg used to say to me, and he heard about Greg. Greg was, became my sponsor after Joe. Uh, and Greg used to say, you know, always oh, say things to me like, God. It's kind of neat people believing in something that don't exist. I'd say, what is Greg talking about? It just dawned on me, coming out here, what he was talking about. He was setting a model up for us to put into place but that model would become in conflict when you talked about the West Coast stuff. It become in direct conflict with the West Coast stuff mentality. He's telling us to put this model, and it was the tree model, and Greg always said he just wished we'd let it have a chance to, to, to grow. No, it wasn't perfect, but let it happen. And the models he was talking about was having the groups have direct responsibility for its services. Kind of strange. And that's where we've been in conflict ever since. It's been a clash, constant clash. And I don't think we came in as John's talking about that loving, caring fellowship. That brought him in and loved him. And that's what we all, a lot of us experience loving love and care and fellowship stuff. And then we got into service, and then it was just like, hey, I'm a fighter. It's what I did all my life. So I'm going to survive in a good fight. I mean, yeah, I, I just watched uh, Jerome Brown and uh, Reggie White thing, on our show, and they, and they showed the infinite body bag game. The, the Eagles defense was famous for this back then. Against Washington, they put 11 guys on stretchers that game, that defense did. That's almost the whole offense was taken out of that game. <laughs> I mean, it was. They put them all out. I mean, it's a lot. I mean.
0: Great analogy for this.
1: Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, we were in a, a, a fight, constant, and it was a conflict of spirit versus, he's talking about strong, central it's the same thing in our, in our country: rights of states versus rights of a federal government. It's the same fight, but it's in our service structure. We are only a microcosm of what our world is around us, and these these principles we, we, that are embedded in the writings, when you try to put them into your life, get in conflict with all the other stuff around us, and that's what happens in this court case. We got two bodies, you got George, and you got the attorneys, and you got Dave and me, and we drug Bo in there. So he could just testify that this book was not a right for hire, because we're dealing with right for hire stuff. And during this whole process, the hidden agendas that go on amongst us didn't stop. A right for hire, and you have to understand business. You have to understand this type of stuff. A right for hire gives the business ownership. The book was not a right for hire, so it's a fiduciary trust. There's a difference. So now we're in court and we're looking at the issues of fiduciary trust versus ownership. And because of Bo's testimony, that the basic tax was a labor of love, love, not a right for hire. Talked about George selling his washer and dryer so he'd go out to... Uh, Wichita and get the Lincoln. Tom the Red, who's dead. Selling blood. Charles K. People that did whatever it was so we could have this basic text. And that's a story that was talked about right from every speaker here. About that labor of love and the the sacrifices that we made to be places. In the early days, I mean, said right there, if you didn't have the finances and availability, you were not allowed to serve. Now, do you remember that, John, Right? You had to have the money, and if you were a treasurer, you had to have a bank account and a job.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, most of us didn't have bank accounts or jobs. So, you know, and, and, and there's reasons for having a bank account and a job so you could prove that you're responsible with your own funds to start with. But that was in our service manual. Now, you didn't go to California unless you had the money to go there. You know, and now we got all these stipends and all this other stuff that goes on. And, uh, but you were uh, real accountable with your own money, weren't you, when you had to pay to get yourself there. You penny-pinched, you penny-pinched to survive while you were there. You found the cheapest hotels or you found someone to stay with. You found the cheapest places to eat. You know what I mean? Because you were coming out of this pocket. It was coming out of here. And If I got to go in here, guess what? I'm accountable for what's in that pocket, ain't I? my money, and I better be accountable for it. You know, it's like,
2: I, I yeah, I'm, see what I do? You know how much money I dropped like that
1: already in my life?
2: <laughs> no,
1: but, you know, we've got to look at stuff like that there. But we're in this court case, and, and this is, uh, I don't know, you ever have a judge serve you water? Everyone's, ever, I mean, who's been in court?
2: Uh, now, raise your hand to be honest.
1: Don't lie to me. Who's been in court? Huh? Most of us have been there for some reason or another in addiction, right? Okay? You ever have the judge get out of his high perch and come over where you're sitting in the low perch and get the water and put it in your glass and then sit there on your low perch while you're testifying? Ever happened to you? Happened to me happened to Bo, happened to Grateful Day. The judge, the judge served us. And the judge had more spirituality, and why do I want to say that? Had more spirituality to see that this was an inside issue, not an outside issue, that he should be deciding. That it was a fellowship in conflict over an issue, and that it should be an inside issue for the fellowship to deal with. And so his order was for you two parties to get together and come back with a solution that I can... Order. Okay? He ordered a solution. Alright? Where'd I put it? I just had it here. What did I do with that solution? Just had it. But the a month be a Yeah, it's in here. Okay. Civil action. You can write this down, okay? Civil action ninety seven six 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 Philadelphia District of the Federal Court. The okay. case shall be determined subject to entry to the court order attached here to Exhibit A. Morehead, hereby uh, convinced and warrants that he produced approximately 9,000 copies of the book, incorporating portions of the basic text of Narcotics Anonymous, which has identified an infringement in the co- complaint in civil action the same numbers, and is no longer in possession or any set of profit, 9,000 copies that he has destroyed, any and all printing plates are other apparatuses associated with the manufacture production of said approximately nine thousand copies. That's what Dave agreed to get rid of. Moorhead and WSO hereby agree that in an effort to heal any wounds caused by the controversy which led to the above referred litigation, a statement shall be published in the January nineteen ninety one fellowship report the next edition of Newsline in the NA way containing the signature of um, George Hollihan, Stu Tordeman, and David Moorhead. Now, I'm using their names because it's in the court order. You can get it. All right? The content shall be agreed by three individuals and be published to the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. This statement shall be published to the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. This statement shall reference the controversy which led to the above litigations and include a call for peace within the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. Include a call for full and adequate discussion on the issues which led to the above litigations, and include any admonishments against any recrimination within the Fellowship of Narcotics and as a result of the controversy which led to the above litigation. I mean, listen to what I'm, sa- what, it's, what I'm reading. If you were there, you know, and if you didn't get this court order, it was never given to you, I'm reading it to you. The exact of Judge Pollock. Third District and Philadelphia Federal Court. WSO agrees to place within the common, without common, but with an introduction of following motions of the 1991 Conference Agenda Report at the World Service Conference, WSC, which shall immediately follow the publication and entirely of the choosing remarks of the Honorable Judge H. Pollack, preliminary hearing held on Wednesday, January 2nd, 1991 in the United States District Court in Philadelphia prior to announcement of any judgment. The judgment will not even be supposed to be announced. That the fellowship reconsider its decisions on which edition of parts, therefore, first, second, third, revised, fourth, or fifth of of the basic text shall be produced and distributed by the WSO as official and accepted text of Narcotics Anonymous. In order for this motion to be considered, a description of the differences between the respective editions will be sent to each registered area and region along with a copy of the complete basic text, third edition revised. They expected that the WSC will rescind the motions adopted in 1998 and um, 1988. They were supposed to be rescinded. Which adopted the fifth edition basic text as well as the motion restricted any changes to the text for five years. It was all supposed to be rescinded. Motion two, the WSO producer re- reduced price The addition of the text ratified by the WSC, the actual price of this text shall be determined in view of the following factors. Its affordability to the membership at large and changing the cost and quality of of material in producing the book. The responsibility of the WSO to provide services from income generated by sale to the basic text and whatever includes personal stories are only the first ten chapters. Motion three, the WSO shall be directed to obtain a group-by-group group tally of the groups registered with the WSO on motions one and two. This procedure will begin July 1st, 1991 and will continue through December 31st, 1991. All registered groups shall receive a copy of paper detailing the difference between the editions of the basic text and complete copy of the basic text, third edition revised. In addition, each group shall receive a complete informational concerning the issue relevant to the reduction in the price of ratified tax. The committee appoints, appointed to supervise this tally shall consist of the following, four RSRs in attendance at the 1991 conference, WSC, two trustees to be nominated by the members of the World Service Board of Trustees, two WSO directors to be nominated by the directors of the WSO, the WSO, I mean, C Chairperson. The nominated by the RSR trustees and directors respectively are submitted to the World Service Conference in 1991 for confirmation by two-thirds published roll call vote failing which those are not confirmed should be replaced by others dominated by the RSRs. The trustees or directors respectively, two members of the WSO staff that shall be assigned by a non-voting advisory board, the, the results of this group tally, shall be published in the Fellowship Report and confirmed as an official World Service Conference 1992. Group tally never happened. Third advice, basic text was never sent to all groups. We're still uh, still in contempt of that court trial. Still in contempt. We thought we were above the federal court as a conference. The conference was stopped I have other reports in here. The conference was stopped in the middle of it by the judge. And he was on the, on the phone with the World Services and then tell him, we can't stop the conference. And the judge said, you shall stop it now. Dave died. Our group again received letters to our, our meeting facilities that were creating the baby blue, that we were not Narcotics Anonymous in our churches. World Service office in the Little Apple area. There's seven meetings in our area where it's letters were received, and I had to go talk to each pastor, and each pastor left us stay. And why? He said, because we have the same controversial stuff in our own regional meetings. He said, we understand. And they left us stay. But this is not my opinion. This is my reading what the order was. It's my participation of being there. It's not the place I want it to be. Would I rather be on the podium at a world convention speaking? Yes. Would I rather be a fellowship member and have membership, full membership returned? Yes. But my friend Grateful Dave is dead as a result of an AIDS virus. What's, what happens with the AIDS virus? Anyone ever knows anything about AIDS? Very scary stuff in the 80s for us. Probably hurt a lot of a, each, each another because of it because we were scared. This thing came about us and we didn't know. I sat through my six steps in the, in the jacuzzi with, with my sponsor, Greg, and I called him up about six months later, scared out of hell. I said, you know, we were sitting in there with three freaking guys that had AIDS. What, what do we do, Greg? I said, if God wants us to, to, to get the virus, we'll get it. Simple. He said, but I don't think we can contract it that way. But we didn't know. Fear. We get motivated by fear, and we do harm with fear in this program a lot. This whole thing with this court case was based in fear, and the fellowship was given fear of what's going to happen. What's going to happen if we allow these few renegade groups in their minds and they use us as illicit members, illicit groups, the illicit book, from the print. They labeled us. They labeled us as his illicit people. The scare just went out again. Same, same office. I had to deal with some Canadians and some, uh, some guys from up in Portland. Steve, I talked with Steve about what was going on, and I had to call him up and tell him, let him know Bill Allen is moving to Oregon if they're bringing a suit against you. called up the office and let him know I'm moving to Oregon. If you want to file, let me know, because I'm moving there. I, I can violate my own last name, okay? It's not, that the public, it's not the, in the public or the media or anything else. It's, everyone knows me by it anyway, so what's the difference? <laughs>
2: you
1: know, but the same fear just came. Uh-huh. You know, it, uh, I have the the best hopes for this fellowship, that we carry a message of hope and promise of freedom like we did in Form the Middle Atlantic region years ago. That produced our book. I had the same thing, but we got to learn from history. I mean, you know, I got a, a bunch of books up here that that I collect and create. They're not books that are written or books that are are, are uh, documents that I put together. Uh, you know, I uh, had that picture book up here earlier. This is a gray book, a book we of the original gray. Greg P's writing steps, tradition, precepts, literature stuff that he wrote writings of service, you know, uh, na tree plus other service manuals, up, you know, including the green in here, uh, history, conf- history conference of Allentown, 1990 and 91, the actual conferences that were transcribed from tapes put there, you know, uh, 1953 uh, to 75, and it's kind of weird because that's what happened up to that point, and here's what happened the next three years. I'm working on the '80s book, which probably be about ten volumes,
2: done
1: or more. But I want to take this stuff so people can see it and go through the documents and learn and learn from their history, so we're not doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes. And then I had the history, you know, the 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 history in pictures. uh, You know, uh, basically, what's the basic text there? You know, and I stole most of these from Jim. These pictures. Added a few of my own, of people that meant something to me. Okay, I like Mac and, and Lou, and with and with, end with uh, Joe who just passed, and Joe and me. You know, it, uh, but these are the Larry and Larry and Billy, Larry Norton and Billy Asian are both passed. John said we can use their names now, but these are two members that they, you know, they they uh, look like they come from the biker world. All right, but they meant a lot. Billy was famous. More famous outside of NA than he was in NA. So he was one of the best tattoo artists in the world. At his funeral, not only did he have NA members there, not only did he have regular people come there, he had had the pagans there, he had strip girls there. Stripped all walks of lives at his funeral. Unbelievable. And there's Larry again at the East Coast, and there's your friend Roger T and his children. People that meant something. I still remember Roger down in in. Uh, in, in Miami at the World Convention and he had his Scottish Celt on and stuff and we're watching the dolphins out there, you know, and we were all friends. It was a neat time. It was a neat time, but we were all friends. We were at the World Convention 11 in, in Washington, I mean down in Miami Beach, Marco Polo Hotel. You know, and then they had the World Wick Conference after that, the Sixth World Lit Conference. Then we went up to the Seventh World Wick Conference in Ivy Land. Raggerbonds shared about Raggerbonds that Dave was probably the last greatest one. Dave lived in my home for six months, uh, two times. Dave was a very intelligent man. Very great writer in his own right. And I'm going to end with this here. Now, let me check first. Talk about a step
0: working guy.
1: Okay. i got a few more minutes. He wrote The Power to Recover. The Power to Recover, Dave wrote. Tried to submit that to the World Service. They rejected that also the power to recover. It's great, great step writing material. You know, and there's been a lot of writing that goes on in Narcotics Anonymous. I've got newsletters up here. One of, it, one of the newsletters were uh, dedicated to just writing. I think it was our, uh, what, what issue was that? April
2: issue.
1: April-May issue. It's uh, the new old, old N.A. way. But that issue was just dedicated to writing IPs that, that groups are writing today. Actually participating, in writing stuff, writing of, of what their perception is on, on, on in, in print again. Uh, you can get everyone can take a newsletter that they're gone, okay? But there's your free of them newsletters. I brought them with me, and they, you can have them. But uh, this exciting stuff. I mean, Dave was writing and constantly communicating, finding how Greg worked the because Greg was his sponsor, talking to me about stuff, working. and He's putting it in print and giving it to his sponsors. It's the same thing that. We do in our home group. We have a step writing guide that we use. We use a step writing guide that I've been getting out, and uh, uh, you were telling me about it. And a lot of people like like it. You know, and uh, we share it with anyone. Anyone can have it. They just got to pay for the cost of printing it. It's available to them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can go on our, our website and they help.org slash and you can download all the old literature for free. You can get it all. It's yours. Just print it. It's a great computer age today. You've got printers in your own house anymore. You don't have to go over to the printer shop. These, these great books I print on my computer, basically. Then I go to the print shop to have them do the binding for me, do the covers. That's all. All this stuff here was printed on my computer. Got a print shop in my own home today. Oh, how great that is. Got a print shop. Just bought a good printer. And I burned that one out after three years of producing over a million copies on it. Now i got a cheap one, and I'm back looking for a good one again. Don't look at me. I'm going to get a good one. Don't worry. (laughs) You're not going to be the printer. I'm going to buy a good one again. I want it for Christmas. So I'm telling my wife what I want for Christmas is a printer. So I can sit there printing material so I can give it away freely. Someone asked me, what's going to cost me to get that? I said, whatever it costs me, it's not for sale. Greg never charged me a penny. Joe never talked, charged me a penny. They gave me what they had for free. Remember Greg used to hand the, 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 the little long version, the little white book out. You see, you want a gift, you meet you, and he give you that. Joe, when he met me, he gave me this. He, he gave me a book, and he gave me a uh, his inventory guide here. And Second East Coast, he met me. And he, he handed these to me, he was on roller skates, and he, was, uh, and he hustled, started hugging me. He started giving me one of them long hugs that my wife never gave me.
2: <laughs>
1: and he scared me. <laughs> and I wanted to kill him. Yeah. And I was capable of it. So I went outside, I met a guy named Charles K., Roy, Roy D., or Roy Drum, I can use his name now. Uh, Tom, Tom the Red, I, don't, I never knew Tom the Red's last name. But Tom the Red was out there. Big George from Narstown. you remember Big George? Big George was out there with uh, a couple of the other bikers from Narstown, and they're out in the field at the second East Coast. And I went over there and I and I'm looking these guys in the eyes, and they looked at me, "What the hell's wrong with you?" I said, "I'm going to kill this guy." I said, "He wants to go to bed with me."
2: <laughs>
1: and I'm like, "All fucked up." And, and Charles looks at me and goes, "Well, what did he tell, tell, say to you?" He told me to work the steps or die, motherfucker. I looked at him I say, and Charles says, well, you can work the steps or die, motherfucker. Or you can kill him. Or you can just I say, say, and forget it. I mean, say, leave motherfucker. You know, I mean, just like, and I'm like, why? These guys don't even give me a solution. Then I go home to my home group and I'm sitting there and I'm sharing with people about this stuff. I took, well, first I dumped all the old AA literature, all the DNA literature in the garbage can, and I put this book down and said, this is our book. This is the basic text of Narcotics Anonymous, and it's ours. Anyone got a problem with it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and a
1: couple of AA members were sitting there, and I said, well, you got a choice. Said, Charles would tell me that. I could tell them that. I said, if the choice is you can either leave, go back to where you came from, or you can sit down and become an addict, or you can fight. And I prefer the third. I mean, I was that worked up. <laughs> and then they left. No one would fight with me. And then the newcomer said, you know, that guy ought to become your sponsor. He could probably help you. So I called the man up and asked him to sponsor me. And everything changed since. You're, I mean, Greg, uh, Joe, Jimmy, and Greg helped me work through all my deepest secrets in my life. Helped me get in touch with the person that was so scared to come out. and not be, be fearful of other people. Help me not be judgmental. Help me to work through my anger and my frustrations in life. Help me deal with living in my bedroom when I was a little boy. And my sisters would being molested. And I was being molested in my own bed. Help me work through all that shit. Only in narcotics anonymous will that ever happen. Anything that I may have harmed someone with was out of my own fear. Reliving the past and the horror and then turning 12, 13 and you're becoming a young man and you're strung out already. And you got some guy playing cards and showing you naked pictures and molesting you. And I feared a lot of people because of this shit. And then I go to prison and get raped one night. And I felt like filth. And I came here and I found freedom. And one of that freedom is because of the participatory service structure. Because people cared enough to love enough for me. And I love my friend Dave Moorhead. I love my friend. And until we sit back and start learning from our history and making and correcting what we've done and living these principles, our identity is all going to go away. That's what we learn in history. I study history. The Favorite subject I ever had in my life. You know how I got away from my, all that pain I lived in when I was a child? Escape. I went to the library as a child. I used to get all and my and reading. I read a lot. When I was in ninth, when, when I I'd walked out of ninth grade in high school, I joined the United States Army. I snuck in when I was 16. I wanted to go to Nam and die. Wanted to leave the pain behind. One thing, that they had me said, you have to, you want to be a sergeant. You've got to have a high school diploma. And at the ninth grade walkout, I took the GED test and passed. So I wasn't a stupid individual. We're very intelligent in this program. We have creativity, and we need, to, we need it to flourish again. We need it to flourish. We need everyone to experience it. And I look at the worldwide fellowship that John talked about. Not a United States fellowship, but a worldwide fellowship. I sponsor a guy in England. This group in England prints these books. They're, they're the English read. They, they, they print their own key tags. They got people over there that never ever seen another basic text except these books. They have a whole area that never seen another basic text except these books. And they have, and you were there, Ed. You were over in, in Itchwich with Neil. Neil just got married this, this week. You know, and, uh, these guys got 17, 15, 12, 13 years clean. Never seen another book except this book. And they love the basic text in Anonymous. But the history, learning the history, and then the court order not being sustained, never, not being held up, to me, it's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And we need to learn from our past. The joyous stuff is important, but then all the hidden stuff that we do, when we come into stuff like this or we get into service, I mean, that's where we've got to get this stuff out at. We need to be honest with each other. We need to be caring enough so we can carry a message of hope and promise of freedom. There should be no stifling of the spirit in this program. This is about spiritual stuff. This spirit should be flowing. People should feel free in this program. There should be no, no issues of Suboxone Okay, in this program. Right. I mean, yeah, we're not doctors, but guess what? What are we? We know how to stay clean, don't we? It's a box and being used in the program, Narcotics anonymous Novices, and saying, I'm clean and chairing meetings and going in H&I facilities? Talk about it. I mean, I got a problem with that. <laughs> I don't know when people come... When people come into Narcotics Anonymous back when I came in, they told you about total abstinence. The morphine, I mean, the, the, the guy that was doing the freaking, um, I don't know what they want to call it. The, you go to the clinic and get it? See, I'm not, I'm not one of them junkies like that, so I didn't do that shit. But I knew when they walked in, they weren't clean. And I know when the psychiatrist told me that I had mental damage and had to do medication the rest of my life, and Joe told me I didn't have to do that medication. I never did it. My, my, my personal story shares about I walked out of a one-way house. Uh, I, I left the halfway home on a one-way street because of two issues. The one, they, 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 they wanted me to go to another fellowship, and they wanted me to do medication. And I moved into a garage on another one-way street. And I stayed clean. Never had to do the psych meds, and never had to go to another fellowship again. They said, I violate their contract. Well, they didn't look at their contract right because I did not violate their contract. I just said, I go to 12-step meetings. That's all I wrote. I go to 12-step meetings. And I was going to about 30 a week, traveling, like George was talking about. I travel three hours to get to a meeting. And then have meetings in the car. And you always run people with you. You have better meetings in the car than you had sometimes at the meeting. And then you have another meeting on the way home. I mean, meetings after meetings after meetings. And then we go hang in the restaurants, as George is talking about said we didn't sleep. i go to Pebble Hill and then he'd come back with me. We didn't sleep. Go to meeting that morning. Go to a stuff meeting meeting. You know, just like, and then I go down to uh, Bucks County Sunday morning to a step right and meeting. That's what we did. And t- times have not changed in that sense. The only thing has changed, some of you have got big, big things in your ears and got jewelry hanging out your face. <laughs> I just think it's great that you got it because it's just weapons for me to grab and pull you around by. I love that shit. Hey, you want a nose ring, Greg? Thank you. Nipple rings? Don't get close to me if you got that stuff on. I like torture.
2: You
1: know, but think about it. The court case, should have it happened? No. It happened, though. We've got to deal with the issues. We've got to deal with the results of it. And we've got to move forward in action. And we've got to find a way to come together. The peace has to come together. And if your world services never lead that peace. Your group's got to lead that peace. I mean, I still love them trustee things. Them, them uh, what do you call them, John?
2: Bulletin.
1: The bulletins. I still, we put some of them bulletins out in our meeting yet. Some of them bulletins were great pieces. The thing on, on the other fellowship was a great piece that was put out. Helped a whole lot with some of the groups. You know, it, uh, but there's a lot of good pieces of literature out there today yet. Just it doesn't say approved on. But should we stop reading it? Should your home group stop writing that step? Great. Should a George's home group stop writing them steps? Should Jim's home group stop working on that literature they were working on for the basic text and the, the IPs? How do you think we got our literature back then? We wrote it. That's what they told us. Write it. We need to do that stuff. And, and you know something? It's not about all the crap that handled out there. It's about the spirit that happens that helps you get another day clean and help another newcomer. And we need to stop allowing them to do service for us. We should be doing our own public information work. We don't need a public relations committee. We need a public information committee putting information that, that Narcotics Anonymous exists and here's what we are. We need to go sit in the detoxes again if You can find one. We need to sit in the prisons again. We need to go sit, go to the rehabs and sit there, as George was talking about. If you've got one, drag them to the meetings with you. Show them what N.A. is. We don't need someone else doing it for us. We need the service as close as possible to the membership is what it's about. And that's what you learn from history. When we grew, when we went from 600 groups to 1,800 groups and kept growing, how we exploded after that. We exploded because of that, that energy. John did the greatest asset, and, and, and I never got to thank him. But when we had that confrontation in Philadelphia area that time, seriously, it forced us to go home and form our own area. And it wouldn't have happened if you, didn't do the, if you and me didn't hit that confrontation. wouldn't that have happened. I had, we had no intent to forming our group in this three groups. We had no intent to go up to the Poconos and talk to Egon and get the Mount Poconos group to be part of us. And through that there, other groups formed. And that's how it happened. Groups formed. So basically what, what you were saying to me, and I couldn't hear it, is you need to be doing the service at your group level. You can't depend on Philadelphia area to be coming up there to do the service. That's not what I'd perceived. And my anger got in the road with that. But we formed an area, and through that there we formed five other areas off of that area. Through that we formed so many different things that helped so many addicts recover when they weren't recovering before. That's the miracle of everything. And that's what Dave was looking for. That's what Dave Moorhead was looking for, That same thing. The same thing that each one of us should be looking for. The same thing that every addict... We all have a creative, you know, creative part of us. Find it. Give it back to somebody else. I could not write when I came to Narcotics Anonymous. I've been working on a book. I I've, 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 I've wrote articles. I've been, I wrote a few IPs that other people have inputted now. could not write when I came to Narcotics Anonymous. And Joe Proctor used to just get behind me. And he'd go like this here to me, and he just encouraged me and tell me, you're a writer, Bill. You're a writer. I worked on a sponsorship IP in Ivyland with a group of people that were newcomers. And he just kept rubbing me down, and he'd bring my coffee, he'd bring my food to me, and he served me. Joe didn't write. But yet, he could help you become a writer. He could encourage you and love you and let you know that you can give back something that you didn't think you could do. He found who you were and set you free. I, I talked to Joe the week before he died. A couple, I, I spent three phone calls with him. Uh, like we used to do in the early days. Sense of arms on the telephone. And he was telling me how great he was doing. But yet he was dying. He called me then three times that week. Joe never called me in his life. My responsibility as a sponsor Eve was to call my sponsor, not for him to call me. He called me three times that week. Without Joe, I don't believe, I mean, we may have ended up with a book, but we wouldn't have ended up with the gray book the way we did at that point in time. This wouldn't have happened. In the spirit, it did. God used us to create something that we never knew we could create by telling us, and telling groups like John's, groups like George, to write their own literature. Quit using the other books. Write your own. It happens at the group level. I've been trying to get Danny here to write an an article for our newsletter, and it's called, The Group is the Most Powerful Vehicle. And it truly is. The Group is the Most Powerful Vehicle. And that's what Dave was defending in the court, that the group is the most powerful vehicle, and the group owned the basic text. And the group should have its right of destiny with its own book. And you read through all the stuff, study the minutes, talk to the people that have been there, and if we're all honest with you, we'll put our garbage on the table also, and we'll tell you the truth. Tell you what it was like. However, show you that by working steps we can all be delivered from this here and give the responsibility back to the groups of Narcotics Anonymous to fulfill their own destiny. The spirit, what we do, is more important than anything else and that's carrying a message of hope and promise of freedom to the addict who still suffers. And there's many of them out there yet today. And I think there's more out there now than ever before because now they're returning to the doctors. In the 60s, where would they put us, John? Huh? Jail? Where else? Institution? Mental institutions? How many of us were shock therapy back then? That's what they did to addicts back in the '60s. They they didn't treat us. They treated us subhuman. The addicts weren't allowed to congregate in New York together. Rockefeller laws. Talk with, with with someone talked about getting picked up in Kansas, in Wichita. Okay, ask him what happened out there if you ever get to meet him. He's alive yet, isn't he? No.
2: The
1: guy who picked up George. Oh, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Jim's alive yet, okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay? He's in Missouri now. But talk to him how they treated addicts back then. When, the, when, the, when, when they were there busting the meetings, waiting for the addicts to come out to arrest them. That's so where the cops went, so they could arrest people. Go Narcotics Anonymous to arrest people. We all talk about them stories where we're stuck on one strip of a, of a town, now we're now talking about got stuck on 6th Street. What was on 6th Street? Prostitution, drug addiction. They didn't left, left, for a few years, we couldn't leave 6th Street. That's where our meetings had to be. You went down 6th Street, you got one meeting here, then you went actually a half block up on Turner which um, Street, which is Office 6th, and then you went up a couple more blocks, and that's where our third meeting was at. That's where all six meetings met, right in that strip. When we ended our addiction, we ended up putting our meetings. But we weren't allowed off there for years. They kept us there. No other facility would take us. To a couple of priests and pastors and stuff allowed us in other facilities and helped us. So, anything you got questions or answers or want to get together and look at material, let me know. You want want files downloaded to your computer, let me know. I'll send all my files to you. Anything I got up here, I can send you on, on a computer. I like my, my, my way so I don't have to have a room like Danny there on a computer instead. And all my files are there. Everything else is in the basement in boxes and crates and, and file cabinets. But we, we keep getting stuff on, on, on files. Radio Free NA has a lot of files that you can access. There's um, another site. What's the other site you go to? You go to a couple different sites okay. to get Yep. So, there. See, there's all different types of sites out there to get information, but all my files are yours. If you give, if you give me your email, and you want it, I'll give you my email. Yeah, I'll give it to you. You want to learn, but prepare for the ride if you want to learn. Prepare for it. Thank you for allowing uh, Steve and I to be up here today.
0: been listening to the SWAN, the service with Autonomy Network.